0: welcome Hannah and Calvin out uh, who messed
1: with the mic again
2: <laughs>
1: jeez we made it
2: <laughs> Whoa. well done Dunedin is all I want to say not bowing to the trolls give yourselves a massive round of applause yeah.
1: two venues in 24 hours folded like a deck of cards caved in like a lance boil I tell you it's been um it's been a rough and then 45 minutes out when we're on our way I get told my mother's just had a stroke so it's uh been one of those days but it ain't gonna stop us she'd just say uh, you get your ass up on that stage boy and you give them hell <laughs> so here we go
2: well, yeah, where do we start? Um, it's going to be a really great night tonight. Um, we've got some great speakers, local uh, Dunedin community members, uh, and they are going to be speaking to you about all sorts of things from the big picture, um, going right down to hopefully offering you some solutions um, and also reflections on Wellington and um, just the state of you know the movement at the moment. And Calvin and I will start um, don't know where to start. Like you I said, do.
1: We've got to ask a question. Do I look like a white supremacist to you?
2: <laughs> well, kind of, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Must be the haircut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that was the reason why uh, we got cancelled from the South Indian Community Centre. So uh, feel free to send them an email or um, maybe give them a phone call next week and just let them know how you feel about. Uh, One of
1: them was a church, believe it or not. Yeah. The institutionalised religions suck. Your faith is strong, but they're gatekeepers. That's all they are. And let's face it, through the so-called pandemic, because I'll say it now again, there is no pandemic. There never was. It's a scam. And anyone who says, but I know somebody died of COVID. No, you didn't. You know, somebody died of influenza or the common cold or something of that nature. That's just a fact. Try to prove us wrong. We have the facts. We have the evidence. That's all we deal in. And that's why you'll find they will never, ever attack us and have never attacked us on that because we don't say anything that we can't back up to my (laughs) rent
2: straight into it yeah no so the at the first venue uh the maori woman that we were dealing with was very very lovely um then she got bombarded well their community page got bombarded um, by what i don't know if you all know about the troll kind of armies that they have dedicated to spreading misinformation and disinformation about anybody that wants to actually give a different point of view and tell the truth so um So they of course had their their people ring the center and then it got pushed up and up beyond her level so in the end it was a a board decision um and they just didn't want to have the conversation they wouldn't even take our call um and then with the second one we thought it was going to be all good and you know we always tell people who we are because we know that (laughs) this happens and we don't want anyone to get a shock um, and of course, yes. Yeah, so we were upfront that we'd been cancelled from the first one, and uh, they may also get a bit of pressure. And then they, um, the, the, again, the lady that we booked with was fine, and she then passed it again up up the chain. And then they said um, it was it was Reverend uh, Ed, Ed Masters. Master. Ed Masters. Yeah. So he said he called us and he said you just don't uh, align with our values, so we have to cancel the booking. <laughs> Yeah, so at what point do Christians not believe in truth, freedom, individual... And having the
1: courage of your convictions.
2: Individual responsibility and um, love and compassion. Uh, And so he didn't want a bar of that. um, And he just continued to say, you know, no, it's our right. uh, We can say no. And I said, well, you're actually discriminating. And he said, well, I've been on your website and I don't like what you have to say about Pfizer or the convoy so um
1: Pfizer's own documents (coughs) condemn them hello
2: (laughs) and I was very um direct I suppose you could say and I said well if we're going to talk biblical we are in times of revelations and if you want to talk about uh Satan and Lucifer they are working through Pfizer I'm sorry but this is the mark of the beast this is where we're heading and um they do want us all microchipped and they do want us all like cattle so they can track us and control us And, of course, that was just my opinion. So, um, in the end, it comes down to money, in my opinion, because uh, if you're aware of what's going on at the moment, there has been a review of the charity status, and that includes churches. And um, I believe that what's going to be happening is that churches or any other charities that don't push the government line will no longer get their tax exemptions. So, sadly, as many of you know as well, churches have been... um, taking the money for the testing stations or the vaccine stations so um, you know I, I I made it very clear that I didn't think that was very Christian and in our video I actually said that I believe that Jesus Christ would have been labelled a conspiracy theorist if he was alive today yeah. <laughs> well, they them. so yeah it's been a massive tour Um Kelvin, Wellington, do you want to maybe reflect on Wellington and what it was like for you? You were there longer than I was.
1: The pepper spray sucked. (laughs) And I'll tell you something, the milk doesn't work. (laughs) You know, everyone's on the ground, they're pumping milk into there, it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I had it mainly over the face, face was burning. So of course they said, hey, we've got that sorted, we've got some milk here. So I thought, cool, I saw other people getting it, I thought that might be good. No, pour it on the side of the head, it goes into the eye and it stings like a, you know,
2: Probably because it was oat milk <sighs> and not cow milk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> bloody vegans.
2: <laughs> so we had a very good time in Wellington. Um, how many of you actually made it over to Wellington? Anybody? Yeah, a few of you or awesome. some. Some
1: couldn't because of those bloody passes and all that that you needed yeah. to get across. Anyone got a pick then? Oh, awesome. there you go. Anyone go down here into the Dunedin one? Because I know you had one in the middle. Yes, look Excellent. at that. And they, they were the longest. Let's face it. We always forget about Dunedin. <laughs> but you guys <laughs> held your ground the longest.
2: It's probably getting a bit cold now, though, is it? Yeah. Go back when the um, springtime comes back and the sh- sun's shining again. Uh, yeah, so Wellington obviously was an amazing time. Um, just that whole... The convoy, many of you coming from the Bluff and right up at Cape Reinga, you know, getting involved in, um, in what was a movement that people said they haven't seen since the uh, soldiers came back from the war. And the, the spirit that was alive in New Zealand was just amazing to watch. Yes. And I, when I finally did make it to Wellington, it was just the pictures couldn't even translate how amazing it was and how in such a short space of time, kind of like tonight, everyone just pulled together and um, made it happen. So I must um,
1: admit, I did have visions of you guys seeing one of our posters saying, here's the venue, you're on your way there, and wait a minute, well, screech of the brakes, whip around, off to this venue. No, wait a minute, we've got another one, and off you go again. <laughs> oh, I, and yet you still made it.
2: Yeah, all the, tr- the trolls actually did make a poster with... a. Completely different venue address. So there would have been about four addresses floating around out there. So apologies to anybody that has gone to the wrong address. Um, Hopefully you've all made it. And um, thanks to uh, Steve and Vicky for putting on the amazing supper and for Gail for managing to um, sort out this hall because the trolls did come after this hall as well and I think it was uh, the the chairperson of the board did come out again as well just to make sure we weren't a bunch of white supremacists, uh, Jew haters or whatever else they want to call us on yeah, any given day. Yeah,
1: anti-Semite today as well. So I've had the, added that to our laundry list of uh, things we are.
2: So after Wellington, um, it was just so depressing after that amazing high. Uh, I had a bit of a, as Calvinites call it, a harebrained idea to uh, take Counterspin kind of on tour. And uh, we've been going. Still s-
1: think it's a harebrained <laughs> idea.
2: <laughs> but here we are, and um, we've been from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty much the top of the north island all the way around the north island and then crossed over and now we're halfway down the south island so it's been a phenomenal journey and pretty much every single venue has been like this just packed out um standing room only and people are just hungry for um, uncensored speech uh, they're hungry for truth and they just want to reconnect and hear solutions so uh, we don't ever to have the answers that's why we want to get the communities all talking about what's what's the best for your community and um, it's been amazing to see what's happening around the country freedom markets um, gardening just people networking in case the grid does go down and so they know exactly what to do in real life and they've got their teams um, like Living Law we'll have um, Heather talking about that Um, all sorts of different movements are happening and people are really realising that the power lies within each and every one of us.
1: Yeah, they've got their foot on the gas, they're coming after you and they're not taking it off. The problem we've always had on our side is we're so disorganised, there's no unity, and don't expect it. This This is a fallacy we're sort of convincing ourselves of, is that we can all be united. We can't. We've got two far different mindsets, we're all pushing our own barrow, So the best thing to do for you is connect with like-minded people and start preparing because everything's manufactured. Your fuel crisis is manufactured. The food shortage that's coming is manufactured because we know the farmers create 50 times what this country needs every year in consumption. Absolute fact. You've got farmers having to dump stuff because the people in the middle are controlling who gets what. The unworkable regulations are going to see farmers kicked off their land. Heather and others have already spoken about the significant natural areas where you pay to cordon things off. You can't utilise the land, and therefore it becomes unworkable, and then you're off because now they're selling farms. I think four latest have just been taken up by a Chinese firm to plant pines. This is all the UN climate change agenda. Used to be called global warming, but oops, It's not warming up so let's change it it's called message adjustment global warming didn't work it wasn't a good sales pitch so it was global warming slash climate change and then after you got used to having climate change in the mix they dropped the global warming now it's just climate change that's what we call message adjustment it's just like if we want you to believe a certain narrative like you're going to die you saw the harrowing images from wuhan where everyone's dropping dead in the street and you think oh my god we're about to die Then, of course, you open your door, walk out, and no one's dead. You go down the middle of the road in a busy town. No one's dying. But they had to make you believe that because they wanted to push you to the jab. And the jab is the weapon. The jab is what's hurting people. We have seen this from North Cape right down to here. And every time we do a poll, we ask people a couple of questions, and then we ask you to keep your hands up when you answer it so Jacinda and her minions can actually see real people real carnage of what's actually happening. You None know of these Colmar Bronton polls that we know are massaged. So this, this is what we're all about. This is just about bringing facts and evidence. And you're the fact, you are the living fact. They can't silence that, but they're trying, of course, they're trying to cancel us. But because we get you up here to speak your truth, it's not us they're after, they're after you. We're just providing the platform. And there's a reason we started Anzac Day because we know we're in a war. And in this war, people are dying already. So I think we need to um, really readjust our message and just ask, hey, we'll be happy to go home. Do what you say, we'll even bow and scrape. Just show us the reason for it. Show us the evidence you have. If you've never isolated the so-called virus from any patient anywhere in the world, what are you trying to vaccinate against and where did this delta and omicron and all these other brand names come from monkeypox yeah monkeypox as well Well, what the hell is long covid that's a cover for the jab injuries because it's funny how long covid suddenly has pericarditis and myocarditis in it it's all to cover up what they're doing so show us the evidence i also want to see the unredacted Pfizer contract you've sold us out to, to meet your KPIs. You are the hardware, and your jabs are the software upgrade. Believe me, that's the way it's going. And anyone who dares to speak up and ask for these things, as you can see, is suddenly anti-Semitic, a white supremacist, imported ideology, funded by Steve Bannon, um, who else? Miles Gwell, Alex Jones, and I even heard we're funded by the CCP as well. Jeez, I wouldn't mind, they've got shitloads of money. It defies logic, all logic and reason. And of course, Otago University, one of the biggest purveyors of misinformation in this, and we have followed the money, and we are going to release it soon as to what they got and who they got it from. So we will smash them on that as well, and we will keep smashing them. And we will not be backed down, we will not be threatened, and we will not be coerced, because this is rightfully your voice. And that's why we come around to you. We don't sit somewhere. Because you notice, they're now trying to emulate us. Because in Wellington, we, we, we took the narrative from them. We were live streaming on the ground. So you got to see in living color everything that was happening unedited. Then we would play the 6 o'clock news so you could see the comparison. And people started thinking, wait a minute. Even the ones who were on the fence thinking, oh, you guys are a little crazy hey, actually, you're not so crazy, that is complete and utter bullshit what they're, what they're pushing out.
2: What about the parliamentary staffer? Tell them about that.
1: Yeah, we had a parliamentary staffer come out and say they're watching you guys up there. They've got you on.
2: All masked up. I can't tell you I who I am, yep. but just so you know, everyone's in there watching you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and they said, keep going, because you're making an impact. Even people in there were starting to question. So it's good. We're getting to them all. And we know police have been in our um, meetings, and some of them would come up afterwards, some serving ones. There was one in uh, Rotorua who said that they got the email that the Counterspin Media <clears throat> tool was going around the country and to keep aware and keep a lookout and all that sort of stuff, I do know, maybe in case the Germans landed, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, and I said, well, what do you think after hearing it? And he said, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna hit reply all and I'm gonna say, it's quote, it's the best effing thing I have s- heard You better start going to those halls and filling them up." Unquote. I I shortened the effing thing, you know. But, um, and that's what he said. So, there are good cops in there, but unfortunately scum rises to the top and we've got to decapitate that part of the police force.
2: Figuratively speaking. (laughs) Amy Benjamin quote.
1: But it is a damn good idea. (laughs) You know. And also academia. The uh, medical council who are going after the doctor speaking at the science they need to be up on charges yes. parasite palace needs to be closed down and I keep repeating it and I'll keep repeating it it's a crime scene Parliament is a crime scene it needs to be cordoned off records preserved and used in the upcoming trials because they will be held to account they need to be held to account and if there's an officer there with a backbone or a community minded spirit where he actually wants to save people now is your chance arrest somebody because believe me the evidence is overwhelming if you don't think we are telling the truth, show us, prove us wrong. They can't and they never have. That's why they will attack us personally and call us all sorts of labels because in intelligence circles, it's called a shutdown code. Like if I captivate you all and then someone from the back says, "Are oh, you just a conspiracy theorist, 75% of the people won't hear another word you say and it certainly won't stick because you're being conditioned to shy away from that. Otherwise it might tie you with the same brush same things happening here we're only speaking the truth and how they sow the seed of fear because they've weaponized fear they show you an image a horrific image your mind opens up and all your senses are there trying to make sense of what you're looking at then they superimpose the voice and tell you what you're looking at this is this so your mind closes around that and then it's called the layer effect after that where they just keep feeding that and that's why it's so hard for most people to break out of that conditioning that's how it works. So we're just here to deprogram you.
2: But the good news is there's only 45% of you who still believe mainstream media.
1: 4.5, I would say.
2: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> and that's why stuff duh, has um, opened up new offices, because apparently they've bought their shares back. They're now independent, and they're saying, we want to hear your stories. We want to tell your... They're trying to emulate us and still push their crap. Well, stuff you're late to the party, we already have it, and the only source of truth here is these people, not you.
2: Yes, yeah, so it's the education system, too. Just because what you're saying, Calvin, they're actually conditioning the children. Um, I looked after a, a young girl, and she was actually taught at school all the the truth and they called it all conspiracy theoris- theories so they're actually trying to teach them and it's that thing of like putting up that shield so then their mind whenever they hear anything about it they just block off to it yep. so it does become quite difficult how do you actually get through to new people when they've been so hardwired and you will have all experienced it how many of you have actually lost relationships families friends because of the last two years
1: see that is a, a lot, lot of you
2: and how many of you, um, have lost somebody to the jab? Couple. And what about, how many of you know somebody who's had an adverse reaction? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hold there for a minute. <laughs>
1: yeah. Jacinda, take a look. Yeah. You line sack of manure.
2: <laughs> and how many of you know, or how many of you know somebody who's, um, had COVID? have you had COVID? <laughs> and you've all survived.
1: Congratulations, <laughs> you've all had the flu. Yeah.
2: And how many of you know somebody who has basically been told that they've died of COVID? I know Not with COVID, but of COVID. Yeah, you know somebody? Yeah, you know somebody? Yeah. So there's about one, one in, one in this whole room and the majority of you know somebody who's had an adverse reaction. So we know what the real problem is here, don't we? Um, yeah. And we're getting this in every hall that we go to, up and down the country. It's just... I, yeah, I mean, we all know what mainstream media is. We know what the government... Is. You know, none of the politicians came to even speak to us. And I find it so... Maybe I'll just go on my little rant here. Um, because cool. there's this thing that I think we should start talking about, right? It's called toxic femininity. Have any of you heard of it? <laughs> um, We've been talking about toxic masculinity for decades. And Let's just
1: note for the studio audience and those uh, now watching live, they were mostly mainly females who were clapping, not the blokes.
2: <laughs> so just, yeah. just in so, case. So, um, and the reason why I want to bring that up is because toxic femininity is like this thing that's invisible and you can't really see it and it's psychological and it's emotional. And men aren't allowed to talk about it because then you're a bigot or a misogynist or a sexist. sexy (laughs) well of course Um, and so then when you've got somebody like Jacinda who's standing up there preaching be kind be caring and then yet in her Harvard speech was saying that anybody who makes a negative comment on her posts well they're just a keyboard warrior clearly living in their mother's basement dirty and unwashed is that very kind because that's all you guys, that's all you guys telling her the truth, and she's basically labelled you all, well, the river of filth, they said it while we are in Wellington too, so to preach this whole kindness and then to not even engage, that's where I was going with this whole point, it's not kind to just ignore people and shut out thousands and thousands of Kiwis who have a point and want to be heard, so... It's like that double speak. It's like, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm being kind, but I'm not really, it's actually the complete opposite. So how do we start having this conversation on a national level? Because we've ne- I have never publicly seen anybody talk about toxic femininity. And when are we gonna put actual true femininity back into feminism? Because feminism uh, is a, another program that has been designed to destroy the family and that's what they want they don't want us to have strong families they don't want us to have strong neighborhoods strong communities and a strong nation and if you start talking about having a strong nation well somehow that's imported ideology
1: we're an isolationist
2: so if we want to talk about imported ideology where is the government getting their ideology from (laughs) world economic forum united nations um, IMF, health organization. you know all of these international globalist corporations that you know more people can um, m- with more expertise can talk about after us but that is the imported ideology so it's that projection right it's that it's that c- saying that other people were doing what you're actually doing and so for Jacinda Ardern to sit up there and even did you see you're talking to Biden Trying to, t- trying to give her this false condolence of that mass shooting that had happened the day before. Oh, if there's anything you need, we can help you. What a load of rubbish. How is New Zealand supposed to help us America? It's like, we can't save the world. We can only save ourselves and our own family. And if we've got enough resources and enough energy after that, we can help our neighbors and our other community members. But that's the whole false idea of virtu- false virtue signaling and um, false kindness and this idea that we can all be social justice warriors and save the world. And, and, the, I had U-
1: and the Ukraines have too. Yeah. They deserve to be bombed the shit out of.
2: <laughs> well, not the people. We're talking about the bioweapons and the globalists. That, exactly. That They've
1: been funding that. That's, that's, a, that's a big hub for trafficking, for money laundering, for corruption. That's the east-west corridor type thing. That's the one that needs to be uh, sanitised. So
2: Carry on. You interrupted my little feminist rant, but
1: so I thought you'd finish.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so that's basically. I was packing um, my misogyny. <laughs> so that's the um, that's that's the topic that I would like females to start having amongst each other, and how they also turn us against our husbands and our partners by saying we've got to be loyal to the sisterhood. Like, don't actually listen to your husband. Don't actually dare cook him a nice meal or wash his dishes because that means you're suppressed and you're basically oppressed. So don't be proud to be a mother. And while I'm at it, six weeks, after six weeks, Jacinda went back to work full time. And she was lauded around the world as this is the model for mothers. Give up your baby and go to work. And they're pushing women for equality in the board are they i always ask are they pushing for equal rights digging ditches or building roads or doing all the dirty jobs that men actually get out there and do no they're just pushing the jobs where they have control and i heard another woman who i don't remember her name but she was talking at one of these summits where helen clark was talking at recently and it's all about feminism and pushing women into these powers of control and another thing that, that is very very you're not really allowed to talk about this but us women like men can be they can get angry and violent right they can they've got a high propensity to that women have a high propensity to neurosis and stress and women actually if we're honest we don't actually do that well in high-powered situations it's actually too much we can't manage a career A family and a relationship all at the same time and do it well and that's the lie that's been sold to women you can do two at once but somebody's gonna suffer and generally it's the woman suffering themselves and no one wants to actually admit how many women are on psychological medication now and they're reaching their mid-30s to late 30s after having gone to university and had a career and they're freaking out because they haven't been able to have a family so, then they're choosing somebody who's not actually well matched, ending up in these relationships and divorcing really quickly and putting their children in daycare and letting the state raise their children. So, these are the issues, the fundamental issues, and women actually have more power already by being feminine and by stepping into what we are naturally. And they don't want us to know that. Mm. Finish? so let's raise our girls to be happy with being a mum and realizing that you've got a biological clock because yes biology is real there is a difference between men and women and girls and boys um you can't choose your gender I'm sorry <laughs> left-wing trolls uh it's just a fact you're either a female or a male okay some a small percentage may be a little bit confused, but on the whole there's a difference, and they're raising children in this confused world, and that's another what I believe is psychological abuse. So, early childhood is basically run by females, and they are the ones that are starting to push all of this stuff at these kindergartens. And I've worked in early childhood, and I don't don't like it. I don't like what I see. Boys aren't allowed to be boys anymore. Boys are constantly told, shh, gentle hands, gentle hands, and they can't run and be energetic, and that's what they naturally are. So these are the fundamental problems that, um, yeah, I think we should talk about it. So uh, I think, yeah, that's, mo- that's probably the end of that. I should have had a seat. I could talk about, I could talk about it all night. But, um, yeah, let's, let's point out Jacinda did. Ardern's toxic femininity and start there. And, and let's make sure that we actually, we as women, change that. Okay, because if you're
1: going to expose the females, I'll expose the blokes. You see, ladies, if you wonder why recently your um, males are angry and um, out of sorts, it's because we're, we're the protectors. We're the ones who are the providers. And when we cannot provide because of government regulations or they've done you out of your job, we actually feel like crap. And you are a mirror of our inadequacy. That's why we take it out on those closest to us. Not because we hate you. Not because we're not in love with you or we don't want to protect you. It's because you're a reminder that we can't fulfill our role. That is a fact. Not many guys will admit that, but we all go through it. Come on, guys. Am I pretty accurate? Put up your hands. I like to see, how they, they see the woman the, when you ask women, they're like, "Yeah." The guys, like, <laughs> <laughs> still cool though, you know?
2: But that's the problem with New Zealand, right? Because feminism was actually introduced into this country as one of, the, you know, as a kind of testing ground, and um, unfortunately, it has made things difficult for men. So I think it's time that we women as well step back and let our men be men.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> And remember that femininity stuff, the real females. If you want problems in the world to be solved, do what they did in the old days so you don't get none of this if you don't sort that. (laughs) It'll work. Overnight, that crap will stop in its tracks. Just like our plastic Christians out there, not the real ones, the plastic ones. If they all got out of their churches, rolled up their sleeves, and did what they prayed to have done, that'll be gone over tomorrow as well. But they're too Frail, scared, and they're plastic. That's all they are. They're in it for the feel good, for the look good, for the, oh, look, I'm a Christian. And have you done anything? Your deeds speak who you are, clown. You just tried to cancel us, you prick. Why? Because you don't like the truth? Too bad. It's coming whether you like it or not. And here it is, in living colour, and that truth is you. Right,
2: can I my phone, please? Sorry? Can I my phone, please? Oh, you want your phone? Yeah. So we're going to get the rest. Uh, we're going to start with our speakers. Yep. So uh, I have written it down on my phone. One moment.
1: Oh, this makes awesome live TV, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> Just okay. hold the lone caller. So, our first speaker goes by the name of Steve Lawton. He's a mechanical engineer, a truth seeker, and he's very passionate about how to succeed in the game of life. So he will be presenting an overview of the world system of bondage. So everybody, if you could please put your hands together for Steve Lawton.
0: Well, I never thought I'd be on stage. Unbelievable. Interesting, just listening to these guys. Like to just, um, step right the just right I couldn't disagree with one single, one single thing they said. The only thing I'd like to do is say, it's about five million people in New Zealand. It took two to organise this and right throughout the country. I really think that we owe these guys a debt of gratitude. I think we should give them a round of applause. <laughs> Hannah said to me, I've got 20 minutes. I haven't got a show of telling you what I found out in 20 minutes. But we'll try some things. Um, one of the things that um, um, I am just going to talk about is, was it four hours ago, <coughs> as Hannah said, um, this venue wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't. And, uh, and she said something really interesting. She said when she was talking to the people that refused to access to the venue, my uh, or our values don't align with your values. Well, that's a bit weird, isn't it? I thought we were inclusive and we accepted other people's values and we accepted other people's opinions. Except when you want to say something that... Um, Hmm. doesn't go along with your agenda, then you deny them access. That, to me, spoke volumes. It absolutely did. Anyway, we won't go there. The other thing I found really confronting, um, I was just walking around tonight, and I should welcome you all because... um, what an amazing group of people. I never realised there were so many awake people in Dunedin. I've felt quite isolated, to be honest, and um, because of what I know, and you start talking to people about it, and they just shut down. Not interested at all. And it's been that way for many years, to be quite honest. But here you are, so fantastic to see you all. Um, it's overawing. But what I was going to say, I just had a look at that wall back there, and I read some of the, um, some of the messages and looked at some of the people that had died, and I found that incredibly confronting and quite emotional. And I, what I'd like to suggest, it's not up to me, but I would like to suggest at the end of this, we just have a minute silence for those people um, to remember them because it's, um, yeah, it's pretty surprising. I mean, I knew, I knew, I know a lot of people that have been, not a lot, but, Several in my circle have been injured and, and, you know, everyone is frightened and paranoid at the moment. Everywhere you go, it's the masks, you know, and they're not giving up on it. It's still that way. It's, it's just incredible. Anyway, what, what I'd like to talk about is um, sort of how we got here, really. And it's been um, an interesting journey for me because I started off, um, I always knew there was something wrong. And uh, you know how they say, life is a box of chocolates. Well, to me, it was more like a river of piranhas, because every time I went to do anything, I was attacked. And uh, I've ever only had one job till I was 21, and then I left and started my own business. And that was the start of my great awakening. And I didn't realise... Um, I, I always thought governments were there to help people and assist people. I had no idea that they were there to deliberately attack you and strip your energy and your wealth from you but the reality is that's what they do and worse than that they use that against you that's exactly what they do so it's been a a sort of a, a really long journey and one of my analogies um i think i was 24 or 25 and had some experiences with government and one of my analogies was life's like a game of chess except one thing they don't tell you the rules. and never tell you the rules. They go out of the way to hide the rules. So what happens is you play the game, and all of a sudden, whack, you get knocked down. And you get up and you dust yourself off, and you say, well, that hurt, either financially or physically in some way, and you have another go, and down you go again. You keep doing this. The only thing I can say about it is eventually, after a bit of damage, you finally find the rules or well, you start to learn some of the rules so you can play them at their own game. And, and and what I found is that adage that knowledge is power is absolutely right. Knowledge is the most powerful, peaceful weapon that we have against a government that's attacking us every single day of our lives in every single way. You know, as Hannah and Calvin said... I I would not have believed this Um, if someone had told me this 20 years ago. I would have thought they should have been locked up and put away. But it's it's these little things, these individual things, and governments do things very slowly. They do them incrementally, little bit, little bit, and then people say, "Oh well, it's it's only this. We'll accept that." And uh, so yeah, you think, "Okay, I'll accept that," and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and suddenly you've lost a lot of rights. And this is just not New Zealand, this is happening around the world. Americans have lost their rights. I don't know whether you're watching at the moment, but again, these events they've been having, I, I won't call them false flag, they could be, they might be, most likely, in, in America. It's all designed to de-arm the population because they're terrified of America and, the, and their love of guns. They really are. It's already happened to us. We've all been stripped of, of, of our weapons. And I don't believe in violence. But we do need to empower ourselves with knowledge so we can confront the government and stop what they're doing. Because the government is not for the people. It's by the people, but not for the people. And we need to really change that because there's more of us than there is of them. And and yeah. And we need to no longer sit down and take it. We have to do something about it. And we have to learn what's happened. And that's what empowered me, to actually go back in history and learn what they've done to us and how they've done it. How many of you guys own vehicles? All own vehicles? Put your hands up. How many of you own your vehicle? Sorry, you don't. (laughs) Do you know who owns your vehicle? The government. Do you know how they do it? Years and years ago I went to register a vehicle and I was a bit bored one day I was sitting doing something and I flipped the back of the form over and I had a look at it and I read this form and I'm reading it and it's all in the fine print, all embedded in the fine print I read this thing and I thought what on earth is this? Sounds like I'm giving the vehicle to the government. So anyway I thought that's weird. So Monday morning, this was a Sunday, so Monday morning um, Pretty sad when you're reading that on a Sunday, isn't it? Um, But anyway, I did. Monday morning, I rang my lawyer up and I said to him, look, I want an opinion on something. um," It was fax in those days. So I said, I want to fax you through something. Can you give me a legal opinion on it? So I faxed it through them, told them what I'd thought. And, um, oh, it would have been three, four weeks later, he came back to me and he said, you're right. He said, you're handing the ownership of your vehicle over to the government. I said, why would they... Why would they put that in the form? He said, Yeah, I wonder too. He said, Because then they can take your vehicle off you for speeding fines, any misdemeanour they want to. They'll just take your vehicle because they already own it. But they don't pay your speeding fines. Sorry, what was that? Shouldn't they pay our speeding fines? Yeah, they should pay your servicing on your vehicle too because they own it. <laughs> Hands up, all those who own a house. <laughs> or should I say, have the title to a house. <laughs> mm. Do you think you own your house? <laughs> Sorry. What you have is a leaned title, OK? And it's a usufructuary right to be able to use that property. And for the use of that property, you pay your rates. That's what your rates are, a use tax. And it's called usufructuary right. And it's lien. So they can lean that title at any time. And if they choose to, they can take your property at any time because you don't actually own it. So that when you start finding out these things, you think, why would they do that? It becomes really scary. Because again, I thought governments were there to help people and, and um, you know, to look after us when we, we fell down and injured ourselves you know, and, and we fall off the wagon in one way or another. They were there as a backup to support. But then I watch what they do. They don't do that. They try and make us dependent. So they offer us things. Don't worry about this, we'll give you this, you know, we'll give you this benefit, we'll give you that benefit. And people think, oh, that's great. So what they do is they very cleverly create beneficiaries. And so in one way or another. And of course, if you're a beneficiary, well, you're not really going to vote the government out that actually gave you something, are you? So they're really buying your loyalty, and this is what they do, and they do it on and on and on. And I've seen them with students offer students um, certain incentives, and they seem to work through these institutions and and get um, like young students on on the um, on a certain political side, and so they're sort of buying them for the future. And, um, and Hannah um, was talking about things about education. Yeah, that's one of the tools they use, sadly. They use that to um, manipulate young people, um, embed ideas and thoughts, and uh, they've, they've got those thoughts and enemy constructs, they really are, uh, for the rest of their lives. So um, we're in a, a very interesting environment at, at the moment, and I never actually thought that I would see this And I think the problem with New Zealanders is is we're we're too trusting. And we're too trusting. We believe what the government says. As Jacinda says, we're the only source of news or truth. Well, I, I couldn't think of anything further from the truth. These guys happen to be... In my opinion the only source of news and it's because they've taken the time to research things they understand what's going on and it's really sad when out of five million people we've got two that have um, virtually made a career out of doing this and trying to to wake people up so i could go on and on about all sorts of things but this is not just new zealand um, this is a worldwide situation room america is in a, a mess and you can see gradually, if you look, um, the signs are there. Like a few months ago, um, the government made a decision to close down the, um, um, the, the um, is it Motunui the uh, fuel plant that makes diesel. Yeah, and you have to say to yourself, what, why would a government do that? Because we should be as self-sufficient as possible. So what's the reasoning behind that? And then you start looking at who owns what. Everyone's heard of Blackrock. Have you heard of Vanguard? Right. Do you know who owns all our rubbish collection systems, enviro-waste in New Zealand? Not New Zealanders, no. No, the Chinese own it. And I don't know um, whether they're connected to BlackRock or, you know, possibly. But it it all sounds very, it it all sounds like a conspiracy. Well, it is a conspiracy. You know, we've actually lost control of New Zealand, really. When you look at all our major manufacturers, Fonterra, all these things, Silver Fern Farms, over time they've they've all been sold. So they're assets that you and I work for and funded. We built those things and the government sold them. Where's the money gone? It hasn't gone to us. It's gone overseas. And then, of course, they turn around and they say, oh, well, you know, th- this, is, um, this is the price for meat. You've got to pay it because that's the world market. And yet we produce it. And I've heard people say to me, why is it I can buy things cheap, New Zealand products, cheaper in the UK than I can in New Zealand? You think that's really weird. We produce it here, and all the big systems, like, of um, um, I shouldn't name too many names, but Fruitcore and, and um, you know Fonterra, all these, they're all owned and controlled by overseas entities. So we've really lost control of New Zealand, sadly, and that's where it starts. And if they have control over our food, they can, can have control over our housing, our vehicles. They control everything, and they basically do. What's the man said? Clark Schwab, you will own nothing and be happy. We're there. We're absolutely there and we have been for some time because in reality, that's where we are. I was looking at some legislation a while ago and trying to understand how we got there. And one of the really crucial things I found was in in America, um, Franklin D. Roosevelt, in 1933, I think it was a very famous um, budget and one of the things that he did was um, and New Zealand had a compulsory birth certificates before then I think it was about 1917 but in 1933 he, mo- he made it compulsory for everyone every birth to be registered Right, and you might think well that's okay that's not a bad thing but over time that became more and more sinister and so I don't know whether you guys know, but when, when you're born, you, your mother basically hands you over to the state. So we're we, all of us are wards of the state. And they set up trusts for you, usually three trusts, I think, at that time. Don't tell you that. So that in itself is, um, they broke the law, because we're, we're all, under, all under UCC, which is Universal Commercial Code, which says, I think... Signature of both parties, full declaration and something else I can never remember what the third thing is but they broke all those laws. They, they shouldn't have done that. They didn't disclose it to you. You couldn't sign anything. You're a baby. And then what they did is they created from that birth record, they created a birth certificate.? Okay? So you were bonded to the state from then. you you basically, we're all owned. And what's even more interesting, when you dig down through that, we're classed as the collateral security for New Zealand's debt. So we're all bonded sureties, we're bonded to the debt of the country. And when you realise that, you think, how did that happen? Well, it happened really incrementally. And the start of it was um, basically Franklin Roosevelt's speech. And, and the things that he, he said that were embedded in that were quite interesting. And I downloaded it and read it. And I got so much out of it. And then someone I know actually did a, um, a complete breakdown of it and looked at all the words and sort of analyzed it all. And so much more came out of it. That that was a very crucial time. Hands up all those who who. Well, do you do you know if New Zealand is a colony, a dominion, or a republic, w- or a corporation? What actually is it? Do you know? Yeah. It's actually a sub-corporation. It's a sub-corporation of the United States of America. That's what it is. Yeah. So we can have elections. We can do all these things. It's all quite meaningless, really, because we don't have the power we think we have, because we've abrogated responsibility. So now is really the time to take back responsibility and we need to bring everyone together. Instead of doing what the government does, they separate us by religion, by colour, don't they, Calvin? They do. Racist, you know, all these things they find, all these ways of dividing us, which has worked beautifully. Isn't that San Su's The Art of War, Divide and Rule? They've done it beautifully. That must be their playbook. So we need to, we need to reverse that. We need to get together and and sort of, um, you know, like even even if we we trade locally, we join together. Even the mask thing has separated people, so we need to put that behind us, and we need to come together and work together, and that strength in numbers will be our survival, and it's. I know that sounds extreme, but it's pretty much like that. And we really need to seriously think about introducing ourselves to our neighbour and forming alliances with groups, um, trade together and look after one another. It's almost like the village mentality again, instead of being divided. And that's my firm belief anyway. So look, I won't go on too long, but um, there's there's really lots and lots of things I could say, but... I guess the one thing I can say, and and I've just said before, knowledge is power. So if you're curious about things, all the research, all the materials there, you need to go and look and empower yourself. Because once you've learnt for yourself, and you sort of understand it, and that knowledge is embedded, then we can show you ways and and other um, places that you can search for information where you can empower yourself and start to get some traction and have a, a, a much better life for yourselves and your families and, and people you know. Um, but at the moment, we're in a, a pretty difficult situation, as Calvin say, and Hannah say. We really are. Um, it's pretty serious. Because you can see every day the government are trying to attack us in one way or another. Um, if it's not destroying our basic rights, um, I thought we had the right of free speech. That is a joke. And and the fact that um, the, the attack that, that happened here tonight, um, and the local uh, man who looked after the hall had been given misinformation about these people. They were supremacists, supremacists, Nazis, or whatever, and they were going to graffiti the place. I saw the text; it was incredible. Well, how bizarre! The only thing I can say about that is, when you're over the target, you get the flak. So these guys must be over the target. Anyway. Thank you.
2: awesome thanks steve yeah i like that idea of um creating alliances because there's been this whole thing in the freedom movement like what calvin was saying unite 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 but because everyone you know you'll never get two people that will ever 100 percent agree on everything so building alliances and working together i think we can do that i really do um now our next speaker uh, I'm sure he's probably world famous down here. He's certainly getting world famous all around New Zealand. Um, he is probably needs no introduction to you all, but he's gone viral with uh, his video when he stood up and spoke out about what's needed here in New Zealand. And I think it's great to see a younger person and a younger um, white male actually speaking up because this is the type of person that they don't want to hear from, and especially someone from the farming community. So put your hands together for Farmer James. <laughs>
3: How you going? Um, yeah, <laughs> my name's James Matheson, but now I'm known as Farmer James. Um, I'm not quite white. My mum might be a wee bit disappointed if I was classified as a white male, but I'm male. But uh, yeah, I've got, I'm pretty proud of my Māori heritage. And yeah, my mum as well. So she's, first time she's seen Farmer James in action. She's, uh, she wasn't too keen on this whole freedom fighting movement that I was sort of going for at the start i don't think she knew what i was up to she was oh i've got to get my booster and i was like oh please don't but all oh, right if you want to go get it i'm just thinking here we go this is not going to be good so i'm away up to wellington to well actually i'll, I'll start off from the start so the first when the convoy went past i've kind of known they're saying not right for a fair while but the convoy is sort of what got me into action uh the first convoy went past and i would just given all my staff the weekend off on my tinga weekend I think it was anyway, and so I had to wave it past. I just finished milking the cows, shifted the brakes, and then I shot out to wave the convoy past on my motorbike. I stood on motorbike, waved everyone past, and I was real gutted I couldn't go. And then it got to the Thursday, and uh, that was the day I think the next Thursday when the police decided to come and try and remove everyone. And I don't think I—I I think I watched it for a bit of counter a bit of chantel, a bit of mainstream media. I think my wife had. Three screens going and I sat there for about eight hours that day and by the end of the day I said to my wife I said I'm going to Wellington <laughs> and she's like oh, oh, oh okay so she bought me flights for Saturday morning because I had a meeting on Friday um, and on Saturday morning I flew up to Wellington I was on the grounds at Parliament by seven thirty in the morning and I was like shit I don't know anyone um, <laughs> Uh, the sprinklers are still going, uh, the bucket, the cones are on the sprinklers, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a bit interesting, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've got here, and I've got my pink suitcase, and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, fuck, I don't actually know what I've got to do now. Um, so I just started wandering around, and then I met some people, and yeah, I just happened to, I don't know, I was just really nervous, because to be fair, it's completely out of my character to go, for a start want to go on holiday because I always usually work and then I went on my own to Wellington and then I turned up at a protest which I've never done before either. I thought I oh, probably, you know, this is a bit out of character for me but anyway, um, this lady came up to me, I can't remember her name now but she showed me around and I have met some people and then actually all those people I on the last day when it got broken up um, were still there and I was like it was quite cool to see. Oh, maybe there's half a dozen faces I met on that morning that I still, were still there on the last day, so that was pretty cool. Um, so there's a bit more of a story to that. So the Farmer James wasn't a thing at that stage. Um, so I was up there for a couple of weeks, and I sort of, before I left, I had this, don't know what it was, I had this thought that I was going to be, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought I was going to be the reason the farmers would finally stand up. So I'm sitting up there in Wellington, and I get this phone call from Logan Evans, and I was like, shit, maybe I was right. And look at my phone and I'm like, oh, surely not. I, did, I actually had a message and it said, it was Logan Evans on Facebook, it was like, it wasn't even friends with him, he said, could you please ring me? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes, I rang him. And he said, how do we get the farmers up there? Is, it, there's not all these lunatics, is there? And I was like, no, there's not all these lunatics. Um, he's like, oh, that's good. I didn't think so, but I was just checking. And so if you guys don't know Logan, he's the person that came up for the name Groundswell, actually. Um, and he's probably one of the bigger dogs in the Groundswell movement and he's a really good guy and so I sort of, when I come back I, we sort of had a bit of a catch up and what are we going to do about this so I called him out (laughs) so I didn't act act like I knew him when I called him out just because um, that let him, when I called him out it meant that he could stand up on his own manner and reply to me and he didn't have to be part of groundswell at the time which was which was pretty good for him and then so we started the second wave third wave, what do you want to call it, we called it the Struggle Master and that was when farmer james started so i put out a uh, video i don't know what the hell i've never done that before but made a video and i was in the paddock my boy was riding his motorbike around the racetrack we got down by the river where we camp and at that moment i just was really pissed off it was raining it was the shittest time to make a video but it was the right time for me to make a video and it was like eight minutes long of me blabbering on about crap that I felt was wrong. But it touched, uh, I don't know, did something because it got like 40,000 views off my own private Facebook page. (laughs) And I'd never had a video before. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so that's kind of, that went from being James to being Farmer James was sort of in that time. Um, So the reason I'm wearing this t-shirt is because I actually got, I got given this. Um, I was, so I ended up doing security at the protest um, just because I, was, I don't know, I can't sing, can't paint, <laughs> and then I was like, I think I could stand with a high on and guard something, surely. Um, so I ended up doing security, and one night I was doing security, and this guy said, oh, cool t-shirt, and he said, oh, do you want one? And I was like, oh, yeah. So I seen him, and he's like, oh, I'll see you tomorrow, and I was like, yeah, sweet as. And then I seen him again two hours later, and he was going home, and he just took it off. He said, take this one, because I might not see you again. And so he, gave, he literally gave me the shirt off his own back. So <laughs> I thought it was a cool story, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that shirt. And today uh, tonight when I was I was in a hurry because I literally farmers aren't real well known for being on time because they're usually doing farming. And then I was uh, still on the, still on the farm. I was covering a shirt, and I was like, "Frig, I've got to be in Dunedin in like an hour and a half, and it's a good hour and a half away." Um, so yeah, I had to jump in the shower and this was the first t-shirt I seen when I opened the drawer. I was like, well that meant to be. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I guess that's how Farmer James came about and I sort of wanted to go towards, it's been quite a, a journey since then. Um, I guess I'm just going to try and selectively touch on what I want to touch on but I think I got home and I was a wee bit. When I got home, I was a wee bit deflated because it was pretty gutting being there on the last day and seeing the mess it turned into and all that stuff and seeing the violence um, was pretty. Well, it was pretty gut wrenching to be part of that. Um, one thing I will say is a lot of the violence come from people that I hadn't seen there in the 14 days I spent there. I didn't see them. I was I can I was up there for about a week, come down for come back for five days organised the Struggle Master and then drove all the way back up. So I was there for about 14 days total I think um, and then I actually stayed in Wellington three days later and sorted out, helped them, everyone that was left over, I helped them find, uh, Wow, well, I helped them get home which was quite the mission. Um, there was hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah. um, at that point in time it was quite interesting because there's quite a few, I found out a few people that probably didn't have the best, the people's best interests at heart at that time, I'm not going to name them, but um, a lot of people that people probably presume were quite looking after people weren't looking after people when it all finished, put it that way. Um, and I honestly spent three days trying to gather up people that were camping all over the place, gathering them up, getting them fuel because they had no fuel left in their cars, they had no job, they had nowhere to go, they had no house, getting them to somewhere where they had some sort of safety and some food. and Supplies and stuff, and I did not really go on about it or tell anyone. The first time I really told people was now, but all <laughs> I'll say is you gotta, uh, you gotta wonder what some people's uh, motives are, because when when the going got tough, they they disappeared pretty quick. Um, so I got home, a wee bit deflated because of all that, um, and then I just started thinking about what was next. <laughs> And then I was like, "What? well, that's a good question, because who the hell knows? And I think the main answer I've come to, this is just my opinion, is, and I'll repeat this, everything I say is just my opinion, you don't have to listen to me, I'm not Jacinda, like, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like what I say, just <laughs> boom boo me off the stage or something, honestly, I don't care, like, if I'm full of shit, I'm full of shit, I'm willing to own that, but um, I honestly... I got home, and since I got home, I organised, well, helped organise with uh, Logan. We had a trail ride, and we got a couple hundred people to this trail ride, and it was called the free ride because we didn't give a shit if you had vaccinated, we didn't give a shit if you were a mask, we didn't give crap about anything. If it was red light, 25 limit, we're still going to run it. We honestly do not give a crap. So from now on, I think that's the where we move to is we just stop complying to the crap. If it doesn't make sense. So if it doesn't make sense, don't follow it. It's like the mask. Stop wearing the frickin' mask. I hope anyone in here is not wearing the mask. Mum, no. throw that. <laughs> Mum's still got her mask, and I'm like, Fuck, just say you're exempt. <laughs> oh, but I'm not. I was like, yeah, you are. I said you're exempt. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's all about... Uh, and then So one, from doing that, I learned about... Well, not learnt, but I remembered... When we had that, I actually realised what was lacking. It was community spirit, and that community we used to have was like these. when we used to look, up, look, look out for each other. And so instead of relying on the government, when someone loses their job or something bad happens, you used to, or sometimes this happens, but you used to go around to their place and you used to give them some baking or cook them some food and do something like that. And I think we've kind of, relied, we're lent on the government to do that now, and we haven't lent on ourselves. So we need to actually take ownership and responsibility <laughs> And start doing those things. So, so I guess what the message I'm trying to, well I don't know if it's a message, but what I'm trying to say I think the solution might be is just maybe forgetting all the government crap, start working as a local, as our communities, build those communities back up, and then um, we'll be a better place. And then So there's another whole spin on this, and it sort of goes from what Calvin and Hannah were talking about earlier about the... So, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a misogynist and a toxic masculinist something. I'm
1: not
3: alone. I could be white supremacist as well, but I don't know. Like, I don't think I am. Um, but Kristen Hall, so I put out a video, some of you may have seen it, um, well, we didn't put out a video, I met up with these guys, they said, James, we want to know what the solution is. I was like, oh, I don't freaking know. They said, can you come down have a barbecue and a few beers? And I was like, I'm keen on the barbecue and a few beers, and if we come up with some solution, well, good. Um, so I went down there just to meet some new people. Um, I, I knew a couple of them, I'd seen, met a couple of them before, but most of them I met that night. Um, and they are talking about what was wrong, and some of them are in a bit of a dark place, because some of them are pretty uh, cut up with what had happened. They're, sharing a tear and that sort of thing, which is kind of how a lot of people felt after what had gone on. And um, we, we ended up talking, uh, and then well, like, what's the solution? How do we motivate people to stand up, especially us men? Because in this room, I don't know what the exact proportion is, but there's probably two or three times more women there there is men, and that's normal because the women seem to have more balls than what we do. <laughs> um, so without meaning to, I sort of ended up, finding out that another issue was men had felt they weren't able to stand up. Well, I didn't realise that was the problem until after I did that, and then I got put out this video. It was basically, I think there's 10 of us having, well, it wasn't even really me. It was just what I just videoed them on Farmer James doing what they uh, said, what they thought was wrong. And I think they did a bloody good job, and that video got like 80,000 views at least. That was on Facebook. And then Kristen, Kristen Hall, I don't know, TVNZ reporter or something, she put it on, tweeted it on Twitter, got 200,000 views in like two hours, um, and said I was a misogynist, uh, toxic masculinity, and that. And my wife was like, she was pissed. Like, <laughs> so she got real angry, wrote this letter, and I was like, you need to, you need to put it out. Oh no, no, no! I don't want to do it. So she deleted it. I was like. You should not have deleted that. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so she got, she, I'm trying to encourage her to actually speak her mind because once, since I've started to stand up and just not give a shit what the consequences are, it's been quite empowering. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'll try and keep on topic, which I don't know what the topic actually is. Um, So, since doing that, I found out that I was a misogynist, toxic masculinist, whatever that is, and then, that was when I realised the reason men wouldn't stand up is because we're freaking too scared to stand up because we get named all these things and we're like, oh shit, okay. pop down, I'll go sit over here, sorry. Because who the hell wants to get cool with all these words, you don't even know what they mean. And then I thought I was actually not a bad person. Um, I could be a bit of a douche, I don't know. I probably am. Um, mum will tell you. But basically since that time, so. I don't know, the police, and then I had the police call, and this is a wee while later, it's all not kind of in order. So because I did that video of the men standing up, I had the police call, and I said, oh, sweet, are you giving me my trespass notice? And they're like, what? And I was like, oh, okay, I thought that's why you're here, because it was the same two days later after Winston, it is, and I was like, oh, sweet, maybe I'll get mine. (laughs) And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, I was like, oh, shit, okay, what's this about? He's like, oh, about your social media, and I thought, oh, frig, what have I done? Like, did I do something wrong? Oh, 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 no. I said, oh, am I, is there, an, are you not allowed freedom of speech? Oh, oh, yeah, I said, what are you here for? <laughs> and my wife, she disappeared. She did not want confrontation. She was gone. I was like, so I got stuck into this guy because I had the cop turn up at my house. I was like, nah, stuff this. So I, I stood at the door, security camera on him, and I was fed it to him for like 10 minutes, and he was sitting there like shaking. And I was like, after a minute, I was like, frig, I feel a wee bit bad now because this guy doesn't even seem that bad, and I'm just feeding it to him. And I was like, I might calm down and said, so, what have I done wrong? And he, he, he actually was just, he was like actually shaking. He was scared. And I was like, oh, okay, sorry, like, what is the problem? And he didn't really have a, much of a solution to that. So I said, oh, well, come back to me when you, actually, when you tell me what I've done wrong. And then so t- I put out a video, it got 20,000 views. And then the police ran back, oh, well, I see you've put out a video and it's got 20,000 views. Well, why would you do that? And I said, well, I don't know. You, why'd you call into my house? <laughs> so. So, so since then they blocked my videos really harshly. So if you do actually manage to see a video, try and like if you want someone to see it, share it to them or send it to them because they just they just like shadow ban the hell out of it. Um, anyway, so this the senior guy from Dunedin rang me up. I've got his name, but I won't tell you. I don't even remember it. He um, he said, "Oh, sorry for not coming down myself." So he sent one of the. I'm living in the middle, so he sent one of the head guys from Invercargill to come visit me, one guy on his own. He didn't even know what he's about. The guy from Dunedin didn't really know what he's about. So I ended up, I said, Oh, well, I'll talk to you then. He said, Oh, oh, okay. And we ended up having an hour of conversation. I told him about everything I've done in my life, what I'm about. And then by the end of it, he said, You don't seem like too bad a guy. <laughs> and he said, How old are you? I said, Oh, 29. He said, Shit, so you've done all that since you and you're in 29 i said yeah and he was like that's quite impressive and i said well i thought i wasn't a bad guy and i'm just trying to do what i think's right and you're coming out here and harassing me and he's like well we have no reason to take because i said one of the things i was worried about was him taking my firearms from me um and he's like well we know you have firearms i was like well i'd hope you do because you're actually supposed to get these proper checks and it takes you about a year and a half to get them organized so i hope you do know i've got them (laughs) And i just got my licence renewed. So when I got back from the protest, it turned up in the mail, and I was like, I'm not getting that. I was like, I've lost all hope. I'm not getting that renewal. Got it. And then they said, oh, why are you doing this? I basically said the main reason was because of the, I thought you might take my firearms off from me, and I, you know, I need them, and I appreciate being able to go hunting and take the kids out for a shot and all that sort of stuff and shoot my own food and that sort of thing is awesome. And he said, we have no reason to do that. And I was like, I know you have no reason to do it, but it doesn't stop you at the moment, so I sort of—that's why you guys are my protection. <laughs> so if they, the more people that know about this crap, and the least they'll try it on, I think. And if they do, well, I don't know. I, if they decide to lock me up for something, hopefully people will come protest or something. <laughs> Get me out. <laughs> so, so yeah. What's that? We got you back. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So. And I'll just give you a wee, another wee glimpse of what it's been like recently. So, last week last week, we had a not workshop. <laughs> so, it was a regen ag not workshop, and um, it was in Omaru. And that was with, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but we've got this uh, video me, John O'Fru, and Liz Gundu every week. It's called A Matter of Authenticity. <laughs> so, we basically just talk authentically for an hour of utter shit like honestly but it's not shit it's just what we think about a certain thing and like it goes from it just goes anywhere and we ended up sort of saying oh John, I said he's got this workshop so we're like, oh well we'll turn up and like I'm definitely not a region ag farmer at all I'm like conventional as how done that for the last 10 years or oh, 11 years now and I'm pretty good at it to be fair but I was like well after learning what I've learned about the vaccine and all this other government crap, I've started to think, well maybe what I've been taught for the last 10 years, I could actually be wrong. So when I got home, the first thing I said, Liz actually asked me onto the show before I was Farmer James. And the first thing I said when she said, if you're going with Jono, I said, I'll go on with Jono as long as he doesn't try to sell me any of his organic bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) So I got home and I realised like frig, that was pretty, uh, that's cognitive dissonance. I just had, I just, I realised in myself that I'd done that. So I rang up John I said, come give me your, your spiel about what you're all about. And he came down <laughs> and I agreed with a lot of what he said. And I was like, oh shit, this is actually, maybe I could learn here. So I'm a farmer, been doing it for 11 years, doing a reasonably good job of it. And now I'm starting to try and take on some new learnings, I suppose, and be a bit more self-sufficient, use a lot less chemical, and that's sort of where I'm heading now. So last week last week in Omeroo, um well, that's where I was trying to head to in this story, uh, went out three times and three times to, well, I went to, dinner and then we, oh, I went to dinner and then lunch, two nights dinner, and both times at dinner at least two people come up, oh my God, Farmer James, and they were like, I was like, what the hell, like what are you on about, <laughs> I got a bit of a fright because I'm not used to people recognizing me, um, but that was just r- craziness, and then I happened to be sitting next to Liz Gunn because we we're having dinner together, and then they recognized me and they said Liz and they were just like lost, they've c- completely lost the plot. And then <laughs> on the last day, um, the night before I got messaged, can you come out and have lunch with us at, um, at, a, at this pub? And I, it was like 12k's out the road, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't know, but I'll just do it. So I went out to this pub, had no idea, turned up. It was in the, what's it called? The Enfield Tavern. It was like 12k's out of town or something. Yeah, and um, I was a wee bit worried. I was like, maybe I'm just getting stitched up. And I brought Liz as well and they said we'll share you your lunch. So I turned up there and went in and then I was like, oh no, I'm happy to pay for it. And they said, no, no, there's no way you're paying for it, gave us a big hug. And just at that time, Voices for Freedom had their weekly meeting apparently. And there's like 20 people come in, they like recognized us and they were losing their plot. And I was like, oh shit. So we're kind of semi-famous in this one little country pub at this one, <laughs> this one hour. So we said we'll come back later and we ended up getting caught up by a couple of hours. So we were supposed to be back at four. We didn't get back till like six. And when we got back, the whole pub was like half full with these like freedom fighters. And I was like, shit, this is cool. Um, but anyway, it was just a pretty epic, epic experience to see there is a lot more people out there than what we think and what we know about. So that was just to give you a bit of hope and a bit of courage that we're not the only ones. Like as you can see tonight, I don't know how many people in here, but there's a fair few and there's a hell of a lot more, I bet you if this was the same a, in a venue in town where it was meant to be, there would have been probably a hundred more because, yeah. I don't know, there's probably people waiting at those venues. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> right. Nah, so that's all from me, so thanks for listening to my yarn. And yeah. got...
2: Awesome, thank you James. And um, you are clearly a, an example of how Māori and Pākehā get on really well in this country. and how dare they tell us otherwise um we've got um a couple of uh maori on our team as well so uh we are definitely not white supremacists as much as they like to say we are um and yeah just a quick thing that i wanted to say about farming have you guys heard of ghost farms anybody heard i recently only in the last two days have heard of this and um this kind of follows on from what James was talking about in terms of uh, the chemicals that are used in on farms, but it's not what you think. It's not from the, fa- um, the cows themselves or the farmers themselves. What they've been doing, and you can look this up on mainstream media, um, RNZ did, did an article on this last year, I think. What they're doing is they're clearing farms of any stock and then uh, the big pro- processing plants that are run by Fonterra, they get cleaned out with a whole lot of chemicals, and then those toxic chemicals then get piped over to these ghost farms and sprayed across all the grass. And then they're saying, if the stock comes back on it, mixed with the urine, that's what's um, polluting our water table. So it's great to hear you know, farmers wanting to look at new practices. But as well, what are these other big corporate entities doing that farmers are getting blamed for? And of course um heather with aag and everything that she talks about in terms of how they actually measure the um the nitrates and whether it's the birds are responsible and and all of that you know there's just a whole lot of things but um just grab my phone again so i get my next introduction right meeting so many amazing people doing such amazing work and uh, that's what this country's really good at a lot of um number eight wire and we can actually fix our own problems so this next woman she uh, describes herself very humbly as a wife and a mother, and she's also a freedom fighter. And um, tonight she's going to be speaking about the UN agenda and the road to recovery through local government. So please put your hands together for Jill Booth.
4: I'll go to the short, I'll go to the short person's mic. Heather, it's really reassuring to see you in the audience because I got my start with AAG. They... Um, very graciously gave me a platform to to talk um, throughout Southland and then up the west coast. So I get the really really boring subject of local council, but it is a lot more exciting than um, than what you think. So we have all this crap going on with the with the World Economic Forum, with the United Nations, with our government, and we went to the very first tracked protest in Gore because, you know, I'm from down around that way almost, um, and we met up with Bryce and Laurie when they, before it was Groundswell, and we said to them then, don't appeal to your government, your government is closed to you, it doesn't work for you, you're wasting your time, you've got to go for local council, but they wouldn't listen, and they did all the appeals and the, and the petitions to government, and, and government treated groundswell really badly. So I've spoken for a long time that everything up there we can't touch. But there is a system for all of this to come into place. Okay, So we start to deconstruct it from the bottom. Because these people can't get away with what they're doing if our councils were not absolutely complicit with it. Okay, so who here has heard of something called LGNZ? Okay, yeah, a few hands, okay. LGNZ was set up in about 2022, roughly. I'm not good with numbers, that's Jaspreet's thing. Hey? 2012. 20, 20 oh, 2002, sorry. <laughs> I got that wrong, didn't I? <laughs> I'll leave that to Jaspreet, and I'm not gonna have numbers again. Um, and it was set up to be a direct conduit from central government through into our local and our regional councils. And this, when you, when you Google LGNZ, and you go LGNZ forward slash net zero carbon, there it is, LGNZ um, climate change, there it is. So so this organisation brings everything down into our council. Now for our councils to have to swallow this, most of them have, or they, all of them have an appointed CEO Okay, so your CEO is your power in your council, and the CEOs are now so powerful in your council that they can roll your elected members. Those are people that we vote for to do a job for us. Okay, so there's two CEOs in New Zealand that earn more than the Prime Minister, Auckland and Wellington, and Christchurch isn't far behind. Okay, so they're earning massive money. These unelected people who can deny you and your children access to a library to a swimming pool without without them being complicit none of this would happen okay so because we're small and because we're little and because we're not government it makes us incredibly powerful and it makes us powerful in our own region because in our own region is everything that concerns us that we pay for, the people that we elect to, to be our, our, our region's guardian, okay? So I've always said, we've got to take this route through local council. So finally, grounds and I don't know if there's a bit of a plug, but groundswell are taking on local council. You know, they start on Monday in Alexandra and they're going through the south so they're making a few calls, and the first one is to defund LGNZ. Who's the, who's the LGNZ? Oh, who's the head of LGNZ? Stuart, somebody. No, who's the government sort of...
3: Politics?
4: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that. He butted in. Okay, I'm gonna answer James's question. LGNZ is such an important... Um, outfit that it has its own government minister, and her name is Nanaya Mahuta. (laughs) (laughs) Right. She is also the minister for Three Waters. Okay. So in July... Well, it should be a conflict of interest. I I think it is a conflict of interest. There are a lot of people who are now starting to look into this conflict of interest. so on the, on the in July in 2021, LGNZ and Nanaia, um the Three Waters Minister, yeah Nanaia, they signed a Heads of Agreement to to do away with our water, to to be able to package it up, bundle it up into four nice little units, which will eventually go for sale, and there's no doubt that it will be privatised. Now, with Three Waters, and I'm passionate about Three Waters, with Three Waters, what they've done with that too, they've thrown in a really curly fishhook called co-governance. <laughs> and it's a really murky area to go. But this is the reality. Māori are going to get thrown under the bus exactly the same as Pākehā, just a little bit later. Because we will lose it all. Okay? Only a few at the top are going to come away with us laughing but the rest of us will lose it all. And we've been set up to fail. And I don't really believe in failure, and I think, um, I think it was because when I had kids, one of their favourite movies was Bugs Life, you know? It was one little ant and a four or six, you know, misfits. And they did amazing things, and that's how I feel about us. We can do amazing things. And if we can pull together so hard in our communities to absolutely disrupt and rip to pieces our local council. So it starts with defunding LGNZ because ratepayers across New Zealand pay about $6 million to belong to a club that we have no voice in. So our Mayor and our CEO are probably going to go up to Palmerston North in July to the big LGNZ conference where the government tells them what they're going to do. Okay, so how do they get away with this? So a lot of it is legalese, and, and I'm not a common law person i it's I understand it, but you know i'm I'm concentrating in a different place. A lot of it is legalese. A lot of councils um declared a climate crisis, climate emergency. That has a legalese meaning. Once they are in emergency or crisis, it means that they can do shit behind your back without ever consulting with you, okay? So we look at the word consult, and I just found this out just a wee while ago. It was on, um, it was in the LGNZ magazine, and there was a really cool article in it called Snarlers at the Barbie, and that's us. We're the Snarlers. This was an article on how to deal with the people that are whinging their asses off about how you're running council. Okay, so that's how they see us. We're we whiners, we're snarlers. So when they use, they use words. So one is engagement, community engagement. Okay, so when they engage with you, they're actually talking to you and, and collecting ideas. Then you have consultant, you know, consult. So community consultation. Is actually a box ticking exercise the deal has already been done okay so that's how they get you so you go to these meetings so who knows about the Delphi technique yeah I knew you did <laughs> cool okay now this is this is where this gets to be fun this is where you can really go out and do something so, if you, um, like me, have been blessed with a bit of a mischievous and disruptive spirit, you know, let yourself go. <laughs> so, next time you have a community visioning meeting or a consultancy consultant meeting, go along to it. And what you'll find is that these meetings are run in a very particular way. So, you've got your, your pretty boppy little facilitators are there and, and they they tell you stuff, they put stuff up on, on screens and they tell you exactly what's going to go on. Then they split you into groups and then they ask you really pure old questions.
3: The meeting's all about public consultation though, eh?
4: Yep. Yeah. So public it is public consultation so that so the deal's already done. Okay. So they split you into groups and they ask you questions. And they, like with the water meetings, they, their question is like, "Do you want clean water?" And everybody goes, "Yeah." So the result of that meeting is that 99% of people want clean water. You know, but they don't tell you what they're going to do to get it. Okay. So, so when you when you go into these groups, or if you get split up into these groups, just tip them up. Just, just. Don't play ball. Become ungovernable. <laughs> it is the most liberating feeling. You know, don't let them away with
3: it. If you want to see an example, there's
4: one on Farmer James. <laughs> there's one on Farmer James. Okay. Yeah, Farmer James rocked up to one. Now, this is this is happening all through New Zealand at the moment. They're called Just Transition. Okay. So we went to the ones in Southland, and, and Just Transition is... You know, what is Southland going to do when T.Y. closes? You know, how do we transition our economy from from T.Y. closing? It is 2,000 jobs, okay, in in Southland, and they will be absorbed. What these people didn't tell you is that Just Transitions is directly from the World Economic Forum. It is directly back to United Nations Habitat, and it's all about a post-carbon world. Okay, a post-carbon economy. So they're never honest with you. I, I went in, you know, to our, one of our local meetings and I, I voted for our cycle trail. It's down by the Clutha River. It is unbelievably beautiful. It's a great asset to our area. I had no idea I was voting for net zero carbon. None. Okay, so people in Dunedin, you've got another thing that you, you need to look at, and it's called something called ICLEI. Has anybody heard about ICLEI? Okay, cool. Almost nobody. <laughs> okay, ICLEI is the International Council for Local Environmental in- um, Incentives, okay, Initiatives, sorry. Your Mayor, Aaron Hawkins. Wasn't quite as good as for Nanaya, but almost. <laughs> okay, so your mayor, Aaron Hawkins, is, he is, um, he's one of the secretar- secretariat, I've lost my word, um, for the Australasian Ickley Board. Okay, so, so the residents of Dunedin are paying Aaron Hawkins to not work for them, which makes no sense. So, so ICLEI is, is the United Nations vision for smart cities and you can tell it because they do things like put plant boxes in the main street <laughs> and, and lovely rainbow crossings and it doesn't matter what you want, you're not going to get it and you pay him and you pay, you pay his CEO. Now, a lot of the CEOs in these councils come from a United Nations stable of of well-trained, university-trained. You're talking about Tunedin, Tunedin University, Tago University is virtually a United Nations university. Okay, they spew them out of there like a sausage factory. Okay, so these people are well-trained in their job. They know exactly where they're going. (coughs) They know they can climb up the career ladder. Um, If you look at a lot of the CEOs, they are older um single childless woman okay that <laughs> that career woman they that they, that <laughs> <shh. laughs> oh, right. yeah so you know that they're on this career because it's never ending it goes all the way up to the world economic forum and the united nations and and there's always another job to do in somebody else's life to organize okay so the United Nations has already got a very, very strong grip on the area where you live. And that's why local is so important, because the plan for local is that these will probably be the last local body elections we have. Okay, So once we no longer have these local body elections, we're going to be replaced with United Nations hubs. and. And if you don't think that's bad enough when it comes to LG and Z, I think we're already in zone six for their hub. And this is how they, they refer to us as zones and, and hubs, right? So once we lose our, our local elections, we have lost our voice completely. And our time is really short, but I think we can do it. You know, I, I really do. I, I have amazing faith in, in, um, in the human spirit. I, I think we're incredible. You know, nature might be really cool, but nobody has taken the lid off a beehive and seen the Sistine Chapel painted underneath it, you know, or, or heard an orchestra. We can do anything, you know, and we, when we band together into our communities and we take an interest in who is running in our district – You know, we can do something. Now, if you don't want to run, that's fine, I understand that too, but if you want to play a little bit of havoc, I did this to our mayor a wee while ago, and he's still not happy. Um, I put out these great big posters, printed them off at work, had a rush of blood to the head, took over the printer, and at the top, in big red letters, was missing one set of testicles. (laughs) Last, last seen straddling the fence over three waters. If found. Please return to one mayor's office, one Dunlanning Street. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> he lost his shit. <laughs> It was great, you know, and I felt, you feel so good because you feel like you're fighting back, like you're doing something. So if you've got that disruptive, mischievous spirit, if you've got time, if you've got access to a printer, if you've got a heap of paper, go for it. There is nothing stopping you, okay? So you can do that. Find your tribe. Find your tribe and meet up with the people that are interested in doing local and really keen on, on, on disrupting your local council, Okay? Now, when I spoke with Heather Mitty and um, AAG, I always used to use the example of the Manhattan Project. Who knows the Manhattan Project? Right, cool. For the few that don't, just in a nutshell, thousands of people went to work every day for a couple of years and they had no idea that the end result of their work was part of a big group of people who at the very, very top, only the ones at the very top knew that all of those people were working together to build the infrastructure to test and then use the atomic bombs on Hiroshima Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki. Now the reason I use that example is because a lot of people in council who work in council have no idea what the end result is. So I'm asking you not to hate on your local body councillors. Okay. But definitely start questioning your mayor, your deputy mayor, and your CEO. Because they know. They know that every one of these policies that they bring into our region hurts us. It harms us. And it's going to destroy our way of life. Okay? So the easiest way to do this is is to think of how everything is constructed. And then pull it out like a game of Jenga. Pull out the base. Pull out, pull out the bits that you can pull out, okay? If we can collapse and work together and collapse this Agenda 2030 out of our councils, and if we can collapse the councillors and the mayors and the CEOs who, who agree with this and who go along with it, it's going to start putting some spokes in the, in the wheel, you know, and we can all do that in our own individual area. Okay, and it's the same with the World Health Treaty. We've got a little bit of time, not a lot, but we do have time, Okay, If we start working on that at a local level, we'll get more support rather than a nationwide petition, Okay, Because on a local level, you're working with your family groups, your friend groups, your sports groups, you know, and and, and you, you garner more, Okay. So only about 33% of people take um, any interest in local body elections Um, and that's, we have let this get out of our control. uh, Three years ago, four years ago, I couldn't have cared less about local body elections. I voted. But I didn't really understand how it worked. Okay. And it's been a learning curve and it's been a lot of fun. Okay, so if you can get together get somebody to get, that can help you do your research or who is really good at research, put them to use if, if being out on the street and putting up posters or, and going to meetings is not your thing but you're really good at research do it you know
3: just for example because it sounds just because i don't have any interest in going to meetings jill messaged me the morning of this meeting the other week and she goes do you want to come to a council meeting i was like far out. no i do not and she said it can be really fun i was like yeah righto jacinda and i thought she was taking the piss so i get to this meet. i thought i was getting to the- get to this meeting and i'm like i don't know what to do and then i seen what's that thing called again Delphi, Delphi technique Delphi. And they split you off, and I was like, holy shit, this is pretty obvious what they're doing, they're splitting us off, and they expected like 10 people to turn up to this meeting. So we put it out in the freedom circles, and it got oh. 70, 60, oh. like way more than what they wanted, and I was like, oh, this is quite cool, no one wore a mask, and these guys are starting to get worried, they rung up the mayor, he got down there pretty quick, because they are like, this is getting out of hand. <laughs> and then the first thing that pops up, this lady puts up all this World Economic Forum, UN Agenda 2030 crap up on yeah. this thing, and I was like, whoa, fuck, this is way out of hand, like, yeah. I, I knew it was out of hand, but when I seen it like that, I was like, this is quite confronting, and then the first thing she goes, right, right, because of TY, Southland is gonna need to transition away from something into this stuff over here, and I was like, freaking out, righto, we're gonna go into, what was it, aquaculture?
4: Aquaculture, and, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, all this other crap, tourism, all this stuff, and I was like, what about farming? no mention, I was like, (laughs) shit, okay and then so she popped and I was like frick this is a bit of worry and then she goes okay, have you guys got any ideas about how we can make better communities and I was like, okay, I know what to say (laughs) put my hand up she's like yes sir, I said we should plant all our farms into pine
1: trees
3: (laughs) (laughs) and no shit, everyone started laughing and then this woman's like, oh I'm in the shit here so I just got (laughs) carried away and just tore shreds I tore shreds off these people for like honestly an hour and then I had to go to rugby practice so I literally fed it to them for an hour and then just walked out and as I was walking out there was this wee woke table, not awake, woke, right, yeah. and then someone goes, um, oh they got, you could just tell it wasn't the right place to bring it up but they brought up the gender in schools thing because I don't even know but talking about the girl, boy, whatever the hell, I don't really know anything about it. It's apparently. I don't actually know how it works to be honest. <laughs> I think if you're a girl and a boy, you you know, you're one or the other. You don't just can't just switch, switch and swap. But anyway, he mentioned that and this guy goes this lady goes, You guys are not into inclusivity, are you? This lady. And I was like I was like, Okay, I've got you, fuck, but anyway. So as I walked out, I said, see you later, I'm going to rugby practice and I walked up to this table and she was a Maori lady and I said, Oh, are you into inclusivity? And she's like, Yeah, yeah and I was like, Oh, you won't support the mandates then, will you? And then she just went silent, and I was just yeah. like, and I just said, You freaking hypocrite, and just walked out. And then. <laughs> so, cool. Just, I just thought that because you guys are sitting there and Jill's saying this, and you don't know what that looks like, I have no idea what these council things are, but just turn up. Get a group of you and be an absolute pain in the ass. Do not. No, seriously, I'm not joking. Get 20 of you and just cause a ruckus. Don't be too rude. Well, maybe. But, <laughs> call them out when they're talking shit, ask, oh, what does this mean? Why, why are you saying that? Is that? Are you into inclusivity? Okay, then why do you support mandates? Ask them, that's a freaking good question. You can't say you support inclusivity and then you support mandates. It doesn't even add up. So you can't, you know, call them out on their hypocritical bullshit and get someone like Jill or Jazz Parade, or the, there'll be plenty of others in here that know this stuff, go support them and be in numbers on a seat and just give these guys absolute assholes, and when so, when so, you one thing we can do is vote. So when we vote next time, make sure you vote for someone that's got some balls and will stand up for your community, or for your elections, whatever you're doing, make sure they stand up. And if they don't, hold them accountable. Go If they won't jump the fence and lose their nuts, make sure that everyone knows about it. So just, you know what I mean, just be an absolute hindrance politely ish, be a hindrance. Like that's what we can do. We can all do that. Every one of us can turn up to one of these meetings. But what do you got? The ODT it's
1: one part of our so we've got to
3: do something like about it. Don't read it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I've I've always wanted to actually stand outside the ODT I used to work for them. Uh, I've always wanted to stand out there with with a big sign um, about exactly how I feel about the ODT and, and the um, message that it gives. Give give me a, give me a time and a date, my friend, and I'll be there. Yep. Okay. Um, the meetings, these meetings, these Delphi Tech meet, meeting, Delphi technique meetings. There's a couple of things I must cover. One, they're very hard to find. They are very, 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 very poorly advertised, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason they hide it from you. Your silence is consent. And that works in ordinary law as it does in common law. Your silence is your consent. So these people rocked up and they had four, five, six of their mates there and that was all they were expecting. They weren't expecting 60 voices for freedom of people and, 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 and freedom groups that were rung to turn up. Now I can guarantee you that... At the very end of meeting, because I went to three of them, and 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 the second time we walked in, their faces just dropped. <laughs> and the third time we walked in, they just shit themselves. <laughs> it was really not good. Um, learn the language that these people talk. It's it's very you you, you need to, to you need to learn it because um, they talk a separate language to what we do. Mm-hmm. Their meetings are hard to find, and they're, they're held at a time that is terribly inconvenient. Okay, and that is deliberate. They're working against you, you know. So I suggest get a whole group of your girly mates together, or your or your blokey mates together. Go out, have a really good lunch. Go and have a few pre-meeting drinks, and go out and have a <laughs> great time, because it's fabulous. It really is. That it, it, it flusters them. These facilitators are not trained for an unruly crowd. You know. Table, uh. No, I didn't flip the table, I was pushing it and it <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> so we've done a few of these meetings, I've got a, a partner in crime called Janet, she came to, um, She we looked after the ones at home and then we went down to Belclutha and we weren't going to go into that meeting because it wasn't our territory but we were handing out flyers. So I was sitting over here and Janet was sitting over there in the foyer the facilitator of the meeting came out, and he was just about to go into the men's toilets, and he's just pushing the door open, and he looked around, and he saw Janet, and he actually jumped, <laughs> and pushed the door. He got, he did a double take, and I looked, and I thought, that's power, Janet. That's power. You know, I mean, they did not want to see us there. Make yourselves a nuisance. Become ungovernable. Find out when your council meetings are on, and go to them. Okay. Collect signatures, and then go and find somebody who submits well to council, and get your submissions in. Okay, put the pressure on. Become the snarler at the Barbie. (laughs) You know, and you can do it, and you can do it with support, and you can do it in a friend group, and you can do it as a community, okay? So when your council comes to talk to you with some sort of visioning meeting, ring everybody. Ring everybody and go. You know, Last couple of things, we're looking at defunding LGNZ, which is really important. It's the conduit that feeds this rubbish down, and our councils are complicit in allowing it to happen, and we're kept ignorant about it being ha- happening. <coughs> Demand the climate science, because we all know that the science that has been taught to us with global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it, is not true. It's a lie. And all of these things come in on the back of climate science, okay? And thirdly, and the most final thing which we want to push for just before the local body elections this year, is to defund the CEO. There should not be a single person in your council that has that much power and has paid that much money without them being local or elected, okay? So... So you guys, get out there and start deconstructing your council and then start to build it in your vision. Because with Three Waters, it's mandated. If we can get 75% of all councils in New Zealand to voluntarily defund and leave LGNZ, we'll collapse the mandate. And we can do that. You know, Farmer James will lead the way. (laughs) Support the people who are supporting you because they really do care. There's a lot of really good people out here fighting, they're just not quite sure how to do it. And after Wellington, and I, I was at Wellington, and I, will, I will say this about Wellington, it was the funniest, um, ex- most exhilarating and most heartbreaking couple of days of my life. I got there the Tuesday before it all turned to custard on the Wednesday and, and unlike Farmer James, I didn't tell my husband I was going. <laughs> because he, he wasn't keen on the idea, so I just went. Um, and after the, after the protests finished, everybody was very flat, um, sad, broken. They had no direction, they'd, they'd lost their direction. Okay, so the thing with Three Waters is that we can bring that direction back without mandates, without the vaccine. It's a whole different topic, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are, it's going to affect you and this can give us one single focus and if we can get together and have that focus and then move on to the next thing that we focus on, we can make this amazing push. So um, so Henley, Henley was the first hall that I came to um, to learn about common law. And, and it's amazing because when I got, first got here, there were about oh, not many people and to see it fall tonight is, is amazing. And I know that each and every one of you can be an incredible fighter. So, you know, mine your talents and use them. Okay, thanks.
2: So Jill, where are you standing for mayor?
4: I'm not. Oh, you're not! I got asked to stand for council and I said I'd run, tie a rope around my neck and throw myself off the roof. <laughs> I'm better off pushing from behind. Yeah,
2: well, there you go. You can be a strategic campaigner for a whole lot of people because yeah. you're obviously someone with a whole wealth of knowledge. and. Um, yeah. And I I agree with Jill, you know, and um, our next speaker um, is going to share um, some other solutions, but we can push from all angles, and that's this part of the whole, where are you at in your journey of understanding truth? we certainly haven't quite yet made it out of, a career out of alternative media. I wish it was a career, but um, at, this, at the moment it's still a labour of love. But we will push um, and we will get your message out there if you do decide you want to stand for council in your area. Because that was the other thing I wanted to say is that not only are you going to need people to help you with research and putting up posters and going to meetings, but you're also going to need somebody to be there with a camera, a phone, wherever you go to film it and put it out. Because, like Sue Graham Tauranga, you might not get invited to their meetings. So you're going to have to go and say, why am I not invited to your meeting? Or they're going to try and shut you out somehow, or you're not going to get the mainstream media interviews. So we just have to, like Farmer James, start getting things out virally and going on to other platforms like Telegram. And I know Telegram's quite hard, but um, we're going to have to be creative. And I think that's what I like about you, Jill, is you're trying to get people to be creative, be authentic
4: and take back what is really rightfully ours yeah Can I just jump in there? Yep. Sorry Heather. there is a guy there is a guy out there called roger and he is willing to train up to 200 people who are looking at standing in oh god this mic's high it's heather's height um that are, that's looking for standing um in, in local council so they will teach you 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 will get um people you know they they will get support one other thing i was always told with these meetings that you speak your truth and this is my truth, I'm a woman, I'm a mum, you can't give birth to anything without pushing, okay, remember it.
2: Yeah. Now um, we are running quite behind schedule um, and we've got one more speaker and then what I didn't tell you at the start was if we have time and if you have energy and everyone wants to stay um, after Calvin's had his last word then we will open up the floor. Uh, to questions for all of our speakers so maybe after Heather and Calvin we can um check back in again and see how you guys are going and if you want to keep going for questions we can do that so uh, many of you probably know um, Heather Mary Pennycook she's been um, traveling this country probably for the last couple of years now um, I met her and Rob uh, back probably end of 2020 I think um, up in Auckland and um, they've been doing great they were doing great work and um, of course they're, they're doing their own thing now but here um, Heather Mary has uh, continued uh, with agricultural and his agenda action group gatherings ag action gatherings gatherings, and uh, focusing on solutions now in terms of um, living law so if you could all put your hands together uh, for Heather
5: okay great to be back Um, in the Dunedin area so many passionate freedom people here um, and just a real honour to be, um, thank you for coming and thank you for making it to the mainland, a lot of people never do, but all these guys on stage and most of you guys sitting up there, you're all doing your bit, you're all doing what you can do passionately and it's like running this huge race and we're running against the future, dystopian future the government of the United Nations is trying to create for us and um, it kind of touches into that we don't, we don't actually really need to be totally unified as in homogenous. You know, one person's passion is farm alive, is another person's passion is hitting local council, my passion's living law. And we don't have to necessarily agree, but where your spirit resonates, take that and run, and run with passion. And as someone else said tonight, find people with a similar... You know, who are pulled in a similar direction, and every little thing you do doesn't matter what any other group is doing. But if we come back at them from every direction, which is exactly what they're doing to us, then cumulatively we will get where we're going. And um, so. It's pretty hard to go, when I do my living law introductory teachings, it's sort of three to four hours, so I never use notes or prompts, but I've got a little list of gems I just really want to make sure you guys hear. I'm going to talk really fast and drop like a million truth bombs on you, so no apologies for that, it's time. And um, I'm just going to ask Ray to pass around little bundles, take one or a few of these. This is just our website, a Rumble channel, and the things I say tonight are backed up with videos, scientific articles um links on our website because i believe i shouldn't say anything i don't believe i've got 100 percent proof is true i want to give you facts not opinions and um if i'm giving you my opinion i'll say this is my opinion okay so um grab one of those if you want to take some of those for your friends um take a few spare copies but jump on there and please just sift what i say don't believe what I'm saying, check it out for yourself. Because when you know something is a truth, when you feel that jing in your spirit, that you've hit truth, then you've got the strength to stand in it and um, you don't care about the consequences. It's like stuff it, I'm standing up for the truth. And there's always consequences. And the more we stand up and tell the truth, the more we get whacked. But it's time people, if we don't bloody well stand up now and say no enough, then there is not gonna be a future for our hoped for children, grandchildren, tamariki. You know, it's not gonna happen. So yeah, consider that there is a price, consider what price you're willing to pay and stand up to the extent. Grow your balls big enough to stand up to the extent you're prepared to stand. Consider it and stand. It's time we stood, people. So I've got a few things I'm going to wave around because when I wave stuff, um, people sometimes if you're not just listening to me blither, if you can see something concrete, it sometimes just is a bit more real. So as I said, grab one of those, jump on there to find the proof. Um, we have all kinds of diverse stuff on our website, we've got quite a bit of information about living law which I'll touch on, we've got information about the Demic and what's in the jabs and how you combat that if you're having health effects, we've got questionnaires to ask yourselves about survivability as we move into food shortages, water control, lack of fuel. Um, you know there's a bunch of different topics which, are with a bunch of info, a bunch of um, links to what we've checked out and believe are credible and good sources of information, so just get on there. and. Start looking and start finding out um, what the truth is now one of the documents that we've got on there um, you can click on it's a PDF and it's 38 page document which was given to me which is the Pfizer safety data for the for the jab trials which was released um, via a court in America now last nine pages are really interesting that's a list back-to-back of very serious conditions mostly lethal of what they call adverse effects a um, Aesi adverse events of special interest. Now, if you if you classify something as that, not just an adverse effect, it doesn't get counted in the safety data. There's nine pages. I added up the number of cases. It's 26,000 cases of all kinds of things, from um, herpes right through to you know heart attacks, leukemia. Um, organ, chronic renal failure, you name it, every horrendous disease you could think of and not even imagine yet is listed there as a, um, in the trials, this is what they found and they put it in a special category, so it wouldn't, yeah, uh, not, well, they haven't called it monkeypox, they've probably got a medical word for it, but, um, yeah, shingles, absolutely. So, um, yeah, have a look at that, because that document was used to expose the fraud, the way they shuffled the stats to, make their own truth and our government and our media is totally guilty of that and I've got about three horrendous examples of that. So that's one of the things, thanks my friend, now the other thing we've got on there is a link where you can click right into the United Nations and download 351 tasty pages of small print which is United Nations Agenda 21 summarised into Agenda 2030 recently. So. if you read the seventeen sustainable development goals, sound great, get rid of poverty, have equality, blah, 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 blah. Sounds good to all of us. Then you read the fine print, what does that actually mean? That means um, we're going to go into a sustainable future. Well, what do they classify as unsustainable? Private ownership of business, cars, housing, land, that's all gonna go. They're gonna get rid of roading, golf clubs, irrigation. Even listed as unsustainable as the family unit, no surprises there. So if you don't have the time or the energy to read that, there's also links on our website to Rosa Cory, K-O-I-R-E. She died recently, she spent 25 years, um, an amazing American litigator who took states in the US to court and won as they started implementing this agenda, and it's a travesty of our human rights. David Rockefeller paid the people who wrote this, he says, um, with great pride, it's based on Chinese communism. It's about having the global elite at the top and all the rest of us, the paupers, the peasants, um, on the bottom, totally reliant on the government, the state, for our income, our accommodation, moved off our land, unsustainable is, is farming. They want to get rid of farming, that explains a lot when you look at the legislation. We've also got a video link to Jacinda Ardern in August 2019, New York, where she had the keynote speech at the Goalkeepers UN Conference, report how you're getting on with implementing this. She was the star, she announced to the world very proudly New Zealand had already implemented all of this in our legislation. That's what we see coming out now in the freshwater standards and the um, pork farmers welfare bill and the you know, methane emissions bollocks, um, all of that. Is based on this, proudly announced. Yes, we've put this in our legislation. This is why our legislation makes no sense unless you view it from the point you've discovered that the purpose of that legislation is to get people off the land, to have no private ownership of farms or businesses. It will be what they call public private partnership. That means the government in bed with corporations. So, um, just, I'm not as crazy as I sound. We've got the proof. <laughs> Okay so I'm going to shoot down a few sacred cows and you might disagree with some of this but this is I, I from inside experience in the political system a place I never thought I would be um, it became apparent really quickly that our total political system is broken and corrupt beyond repair I don't care who you vote in and how good they seem or how much integrity they have when they go in that system is so corrupt so broken they are just pawns of the UN and the global elite Doesn't matter who you stick in there, that broken system, a broken corrupt system is never going to fix the situation we're in. It's the same walker going to the same place, you're just changing the colours of the jerseys of the people who are in there. So don't be, it's a distraction and a futility to be believing the election promises of people. Even if they intend to try and do that, they're not going to be able to. And it's pretty obvious from around the world that elections are rigged. I don't think there's probably been a straight election anywhere in the world for the last 50 years. So um, they'll let a token number of, of people that people want in, so like the court system, 85% losses, 15% wins, so people think it is some kind of justice, it's not. Um, boy, I'm going to have a big target on my back after this meeting, i tell you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but the problem is that we are just being manipulated all the time in so many ways. So think about, we've all got limited time and energy, and put your energy in something that you know is going to have a result. And we need to stop advocating our responsibility to other people who say, sign up here and I'll do the hard work for you. I'll advocate for you, says the farmer advocacy groups, Beef and Lamb, Dairy NZ, Feds even, and don't say this blanket, there's a handful of good people in those organisations, some people are trying really hard to do the right thing, but at upper levels they've already sold out, they're in bed with the government and they've been for a very long time. And you can tell that from the rhetoric they use at meetings and um, the propaganda they put out. And if you read what's in those farming papers, they're just, oh, this is such a good idea. You know, the, um, the suggestions we've got and the $339 million of funding that's going for agricultural research into methane emissions. Look at the science. Look at the science on our website, which proves that there is no climate crisis. Look at some of the awesome info which comes out from Owen Jennings and his group called Farm facts about ruminant methane. We're being, our farmers are gonna be legislated, i.e. taxed out of existence with methane tax. We have the science which shows methane does not affect the temperatures. We have the science showing that there is no climate crisis. It's part of the fear mongering to make you give up your um, freedoms and change the way you live and interact and get rid of your fossil fuels, et cetera. And um, let's, let's just assume for a moment that maybe they are the only source of truth and maybe methane is crucially important. We already have the highest standards of farming in the world, we already have the smallest carbon footprint in our agricultural sector. And guess what, if we look at the methane emissions of the world over a year and say let's equate that to an Olympic-sized swimming pool, now this is data I stole from Owen Jennings but he spoke at our talks and so thanks Owen, I love these facts and I'm just spouting them out. So let's let's look at that, 25 million litres of water. In the Olympic swimming pool, that's the total world's methane emissions. How much do you think New Zealand total in one year contributes to that 25 million litres? One teaspoon, yes, one teaspoon. So, to make one teaspoon worth of difference out of 25 million litres, our government will legislate our farmers out of existence. Bugger off, not on my watch. Now um, I'm not going to bother going into too much detail, there's a little um, video if you jump on the website which gives my background, I was raised on a high country sheep and beef station in the mountains, Southern Alps, a little place called Makaroa between Wanaka and Haast. I'm passionate about rural communities, I'm passionate about our land, our whenua, our biodiversity, I'm a conservationist, but I'm not a woke greenie. And it took me a while but I started to see how we're being played. You know, I look at people my children's age, people coming out of school and university who are convinced that the planet is on the brink of disaster, that there's too many people that we should do whatever it takes to lower our population, we should be eating grasshoppers and get rid of the meat, and they're just totally indoctrinated. Our education system is a farce, and it's getting worse by the day. So um, my gosh, I'm not even going to look at this list of notes probably because I'm going to start just going down rabbit holes, so excuse me, I will jump all over the place. Um, yeah, let's just jump into um, basically what on pe- I spent from the um, day after the election for the next nine months. Three of us who'd stood for election um, and were so thankful we didn't get into government went, I mean, Thank goodness, that would have been a terrible mistake. We would have been totally ineffective. um, What can we do? Because we realise where this country's going. So we formed our first group, the acronym AAG, which stood for Agricultural Action Group. Now, over nine months, we did about 95 talks, half in the North Island, half in the South, and we focused mainly on rural communities, getting out there, having meetings, and telling them what's really going on. The United Nations Agenda, the World Economic Forum, also on our website, click on the link, get the PDF book by Klaus Schwab, talking about, published December a year ago now, I think, saying um, how the World Economic Forum found COVID and the lockdowns the perfect tool to bring on the world economic collapse because, of course, they want us all to go broke and then they offer us magnanimously, you know, sign this contract, we'll forgive all your debt, but you're also agreeing to never own anything again ever. No car, no business, no house. There's their 2030 um, famous advertising campaign running really heavily in Europe where these um, young people are saying it's the year 2030, I own nothing, I've never been happier. There's this um, essay by this young woman and they gave her a big award where she talks about she's in her apartment, she doesn't even own her clothes, if she needs food she doesn't have a kitchen or any implements, she just, the drone brings it, it's provided by the state and when she goes off to work in the morning someone else comes, she doesn't know who and has meetings in her lounge but she doesn't care because it's not her apartment and she doesn't even own her clothes and I'm like oh my. My gosh this is dystopian freak out to the max and this is what they're pushing there's billboards there's everything and this is what and I've had conversations with young people and they go well you know we need to do something and, and what's so bad with the you know the state providing everything my god a communist ideology has just crept right through our society they've been doing it for decades they've been doing it through the television the media the movies the education system and we've just slowly been programmed So, what can we do to push back? Um, A year, just almost a year and a half ago now. Gosh, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? So. As that original agricultural action group, we were invited to a meeting um, where a whole lot of the great minds of New Zealand were pushing back in various ways, be it common law or um, ranger sea passes or all kinds of different ways. A bunch of people who'd been pushing back for a while got together to talk about what's the best tool we should be bringing to people right now so they can take effective action. And that was one thing that really bugged me. We're going around telling rural people what, what the real situation is and shocking the hell out of them, but where's the tool? Where's the tool for what you do to change the future they're trying to bring us? And, um, you know, when we started, we thought we had a big crowd. If we had 25 people in the Owaka Hall or something, you know, we thought, oh, and um, the things... I I talked about, I didn't talk about some of the things I can talk about now and still then we were like way out there, things that have happened a year ago now were way out there, we were conspiracy theorists most people thought back then and um, now we've got to the stage where a good crowd might be 250 in a local town hall and so people are waking up. Let me encourage you, the mainstream media will not want you to know how many people are waking up, how many people are just keeping their head down but they know what's going on and they're gathering and they're doing stuff. There is groups the length of New Zealand doing stuff. So the upshot of this meeting that I went to was that I I was exposed to the way of teaching living law. Please let me stress, living law is not Common law. Living law, L-O-R-E. It's also called God's law or law of nature. So it's based on you being what you're, and it's got some crossover with some of the teachings in common law. So if you're born alive, you have unalienable human rights the right to freedom and liberty the liberty the pursuit of happiness the right to live unhindered if you're not harming anybody else the right to live free from persecution etc etc those kind of rights which form the magna carta in a lot of the american constitution so they are the rights you're born with but being mankind what have we done we've written and created a whole lot of legal systems We've got common law based on case precedents. We've got Admiralty law, which is fraudulently brought onto the land in a lot of countries. We've got tort law, we've got contract law, we've got all these legal systems and rules. And they want us to believe that if a rule is written saying you can no longer travel freely unless you've done ABC, that they can take away our freedom. The only reason they can do that is because we consent to it. Number one, we're tricked into it, and I'll touch on how they do that, and number two, We don't say no we don't consent silence is consent non-action is consent so we give away our freedom because we don't realize the power that we've got so what we need to do is wake up to who we are stand here as a living person if you're a living man not person a living man or woman no paper system legal system written can remove your freedom unless you agree to it okay something that's been created never has more authority than the creator the living man or woman who created it they can't use their pieces of paper to take away your freedom they can act like they can they can resort to force if you don't comply but we have such power in saying no i do not consent and i'm talking about peaceful non-violent non-compliance saying no putting the line in the sand and so how the thing i love about living law is it's really really simple And it takes a bit. You read the information that I've got on our website. One lady said, I've read the information on your website 30 times. Didn't get it. She said all of a sudden it was like the light went on. I got it. It was as simple as. She said, please encourage people to just read and reread, reread, reread. And suddenly your brain just switches. I I usually call this living law because for me it's straight up and down I'm either looking at something of substance a living man and woman or like real whenua real soil real birds plants animals ears things that are real or it's dead it's corporate it's a paper system it's paper land titles it's paper um, um, documentation your birth certificate etc so it's either something attached to corporate a business entity a legal fiction, a legal entity, or it's actually real. It's alive. Okay, so it's like that. Just if you look at it, living or dead, then and you start to apply what I'm going to tell you now, it just becomes super, super clear. You will not look at anything the same again. So, the bottom line is that this government that we have is fraudulent. And every government since 1986 has been fraudulent. In 1852, the UK issued um, well, the Imperial Act which created the Constitution which gave rise to our Parliament, our government system here in New Zealand. Now what happened was in 1986 there was an Act passed which they called the New Zealand Constitution Act, which supposedly, all the media hype said, what that was doing was removing the UK legal system from the legal system in New Zealand, so you, you, know, you used to have recourse to the courts in England, they didn't, that was all going to be taken care of in New Zealand. That's what they told us it was all about. What it did was it chopped to pieces, it removed the 1852 Constitution Act, and at that point in time, the government of New Zealand was corporatized. We have not had a government in charge of this country since 1986, we have a corporation They are registered on the US Security and Stock Exchange. The name of the company is called Her Majesty the Queen and Right of New Zealand. It's nothing to do with the Queen of England, that's a red herring. It has overseas corporate shareholders. If you track back far enough, you eventually end up at places like Vanguard and BlackRock. So each successive government has been a CEO and a board of directors. And their job is to get a maximum return for the overseas shareholders. Their job is not to make decisions in the best interests of you guys. The peasants. When you click on that book link, Klaus Schwab's um, World Economic Forum, who's now very openly in partnership with the United Nations and heading to the Great Reset, which will send us into this communist dystopian future they want for us. Look at the language there. Just skim through it. You don't have to read the whole lot, it would probably drive you mental if you read the whole thing. But he talks about us as useless feeders, the bottom feeders. They just see us as cockroaches that, that are useless and that need to be eradicated. That's truly how they see us, and I don't think, hope, nobody in this room is a psychopath, but unless you have a psychopath mindset, which is zero compassion, zero love, zero mercy, zero grace, they don't give a rats if they're genociding our children and our population. It's all about, not even the money, because they're trillionaires, but it's about the control, it's about the power, it's about the sadistic pleasure they get from inflicting pain, suffering, and manipulating and destroying us little cockroaches. Sounds insane, doesn't it? But if you start to check out the stuff, read. This is the chairman of the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum contains the wealthiest people in the big banks of the world. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank. When they have their meetings, their yearly meetings, usually in Davos, they have our Prime Minister, our Deputy Prime Minister Jacinda and Grant went in 2019 and the theme was the Great Reset. And they say, oh, Grant said, oh, I don't don't know anything about that. Well, funny, that's funny you went to the conference about it. So these people get together with the people who are making the decisions and ruling the countries and they have the power and the money to say what's going to happen and they make it happen. Why? because they have been, and we have been too asleep to realise we can say stop, I do not consent. Now how do we stop this? These guys are fraudulent. Everything, every transaction we do, even just their normal everyday ones, you go and buy a thing of milk. The guy in the dairy says five bucks. If you don't like that, you can say, well that last week it was four bucks, I'll give you four bucks. He'll either say naff off or he'll agree. Everything we do, we make an offer, it's accepted or negotiated, and, and you do it or you don't do it. Everything we do, every undertaking is a contract. So we end up contracting with these guys without even realising it. That's how they legally can be in charge of us. Now that might sound a bit, what the hell is she talking about now? But let me just unpack that a little bit. Oh, one other thing, you know, I said in 1986, um, they brought in the New Zealand Constitution Act and got rid of the 1852 Constitution and corporatised the government, okay? So the UK realised what was going on, and they went, whoa, New Zealand government's gone hostile, we need to do something to protect the citizens and the treaty, and so in 1988 the UK passed the Imperial Application Act, and what that did is that it stated that the common, law of Eng- common laws of England were to be amalgamated into the legal system of New Zealand. And so the common laws are enmeshed with under that act into the legal system of New Zealand. So I'm not here to dish common law people. Common law is awesome and it's had some awesome results over the years. But the government is fast closing any loopholes and just the way I'm wired, I see that whole government system, that whole admiralty system, it's fraudulent and destructive, and I don't want a bar of it. I don't want to you know be waiting sending an affidavit and waiting for them to give me permission or to i don't want to participate in their systems i want to go here's the fraud fraud detected contract null and void no consent no contract see ya and it's as simple as that so oh sorry guys i am jumping around a bit you might have to harass the shit out of me when we get to question time feel free anyway so how do they, how do they get us under control How are we powerless under the current system, and how do we get our power back? So if you look at, and uh, Ray has brought up, he's got a whole lot of laminated, um, I don't know, the Policing Act, the Income Tax Act, whatever, a whole lot of different acts. And if you print off any act, and when you get in trouble with the cops, they tell you, oh, you've transgressed the COVID Act for whatever, or you've, the, I don't know, Income Tax Act, you haven't paid your tax, so this is a breach. When you print off that first page on every single act, it says, this act binds the crown. Hmm. Are you the crown? Most people will say no, because they do believe they're actually a living man or woman. But how does it bind us? If we, How are we the crown? How does that act bind us? And look at that word. They create acts. So words tell you a lot. Everything's hidden in plain sight, and words tell you a lot. Word government... Govern, control, mental, your mind. The government controls your mind. The television tells us a vision of how they want to shape our society, and they do that by running programs on the television and programming us. Media is very, very powerful, and they use a lot of neurolinguistic programming and all kinds of techniques to program us without us even realizing and change our, our standards and our beliefs of what's good and right, and um, it's very effective. We've been, been being shaped for decades. Right, so I touched on the fact that government's a corporation, therefore, that means everything else is a corporation. The IRD, the ACC, WINS, the court system, all these are corporations with overseas shareholders and their task is to make the maximum return for their shareholders. Okay? It's not to make the best decision for you and I. And so, where do we stand legally? Let's point out the fraud and how they're interacting with us under their own law. Okay, and remember, when you expose fraud, that makes the contract null and void. And then you can either renegotiate a contract that is not fraudulent, or you can say, I have no desire to contract with you, see you later. So it's important that we stand in honour and integrity. And some of the people who are doing this stuff, they're just carrying out their job description. They don't realise they're committing fraud, they don't realise they're deceiving you, they don't realise what really is going on. So a lot of my passion is about educating people look at this do you realize that this is fraud that this act you're imposing on me only binds the crown am I the crown and, and a lot of people will be horrified and will step back when they realize what the truth is so we always stand in honor and say people either you're deliberately deceiving me and this is fraudulent or you've been deceived and you're not aware of what's happening let me explain so we always stand in honor and we give people that choice and I think that's really important so the other thing I'm holding, which I'm quite eager to get rid of, is a legal, legalese, a legal dictionary. Now, you can find these online. You don't have to buy them. This is one I did f- buy from a secondhand bookshop um, in the U.S. And this is a fifth edition Black's Law Dictionary. That means it was first printed in 1891. We're up to about edition 11 or 12 now. I like the older ones, because in the older ones, they give you the definitions of words in, in real easy-to-understand terms whereas they try to word, word the meaning better so you don't really understand it in the later editions or they start to leave out really tricky words. So let me give you an example. Um, say there's an act that says every person must. Okay, in normal speak, you and I believe person, we're, we're persons. That's what we would think. You look up what is the legal definition of the word person in the legalese Dictionary. All their acts and statutes all their legal stuff is written in legalese. Person is an artificial entity, a corporation. Human being, if they refer to us as a human being, what does that mean? Look up the legal dictionary. It means a monster. Resembling mankind, but um, has no inheritable blood, cannot own land. That's how they view us. We think human beings as us. We're human beings. They see that as monsters. They see that global elites see themselves as something superior and that we're like cockroaches that need to be controlled and stamped out. And that's really hard to get your head around. You wake up every morning, you go, this can't be, because I don't, I don't naturally think like that. I don't have the mind of a psychopath. But the truth is hidden in plain sight. Let me give you another example, the word mandate. You and I would understand the, the common language meaning of mandate to mean mandatory, as in compulsory. But let's look up the legalese meaning. So, there's a suggestion made by a governing body which is, um, they use a word which means voluntary. And um, if, but the kicker is, if 75% of the population comply with it, it can become a law. So, they cleverly use these words to trick us. But the important thing to know is government, right, and those governmental departments, bureaucracy, are all corporations. Legally, under their legal system, a corporation cannot own or have authority over anything of substance. What's something of substance? Something real, something alive. Living men and women, we're of substance. The fenware, the soil, the trees, that's things of substance. Things that are not of substance are bits of paper, paper systems. The only thing a corporation has authority over and owns is something, a corporate, a legal entity, a paper entity. So why do those acts say this act binds the crown and how do they have power over us? Because, and the gentleman here touched on some of this earlier, um, when we are born and we are registered, what is the legalese meaning of the word registered? To transfer ownership to the state. So everything you've registered, your children, your car, your dog, your um, deer and cattle under the NAIT system, your business, everything you've registered, You've transferred ownership to the state which gives them carte blanche to confiscate it or do whatever they want do you remember if you go back far enough if you're old enough we used to get ownership papers for our cars you don't get them anymore you get registration papers because they wised up and they get us to register it and transfer ownership to them so our annual registration fee is us leasing back that vehicle from the government so how do they make us under their jurisdiction why do those acts the crown so when you're born you f- a form gets filled out called an RG27 where they record your details and it starts off the first three lines you're actually a living man or woman child's name place of birth and in the third line it says enter child's name and then in brackets it says if born dead enter here now one of the legalese rules is you can only have one topic per line on a legal form so if you put any name on that line child's name It means, what's written in brackets, child born dead. So the moment your name is filled in there, you become legally dead and can be corporatized. Your name is corporatized. You're turned into a corporate entity. There's a trust fund created in your name and the things we believe are our forms of identity, our birth certificate, our driver's license, our passport, they're in that corporate name. Usually with your surname in capitals, having a word all in capitals is a nonsense, doesn't exist in the English language, but that's a sign that we've been corporatized. If you remember your old checkbooks, if you look at your bank cards, your surname is in capitals. They corporatize us. When they say, show me your driver's licence, and you pull out that corporate ID, that you've just gone completely under the jurisdiction of the crown. That gives that person the, the ability to have authority over you. Whereas if you're standing as a living man or woman, and you understand that that is a fraudulent document, that that is a corporate, fictitious legal entity, it's not you, then you are not under the jurisdiction. It does your head in a wee bit at the start, but suddenly it'll click. And there's proof of this, it's hidden in plain sight. Go home, look at your birth certificate, small writing at the bottom, this document is not to be used as proof of ID. Well, that's really interesting because unless you have it, you can't open a bank account, get a driver's licence, get a passport. You can't do a lot of things unless you – where's your proof of ID, birth certificate? Then it says underneath, if you use this document um, as true, knowing it to be false, you can be prosecuted under the 1961 Crimes Act. Well that's the kicker, because once you wake up and you know this is corporate identity, uh, legal fiction, to put you under the Crown jurisdiction and you still use it because you want to get a driver's licence or open a bank account or whatever you're trying to do with it, or get a benefit, um, then they can get you for fraud. They're very clever. The other kicker is um, if you go home and you look at your passport. So the way that they legally have the authority to administer our affairs and have ownership over us is due to some pieces of legislation. So if we look at a um, lovely little section 16, page 892 of the corpus juris secundum, which is a whole heap of, I think it's about 28 volumes of case law and precedent, blah, blah, blah. In that section it says, and we know this from having relatives who have died for an estate to be administered the per- some person has to die you know like when a member of your family dies then the lawyer or whoever else administers their estate settles their will okay so that's the piece of legal stuff which says a person has to be dead for their estate to be administered so if we're actually alive, and they have corporatised us, how is it legal for them to administer our affairs, to have jurisdiction over us? Well, it was an interesting little piece of legislation which was passed in 1666, the CSQV Act, and it was quite relevant at the time because lots of people were going on sailing ships around the world, and you'd never know if they'd got there, they couldn't exactly call you on their mobile phone. So for families left behind who had to deal with family estates and stuff, they brought in this act which said that, you know, people are presumed dead, lost at sea, unless proven to be alive. So that piece of legislation is still effective, which means that we are all assumed dead, lost at sea, and we've got our corporate ID, legal um, fiction, our corporate identity, which is a dead entity, which we present when we're asked for ID. So we're presenting the idea of a dead corporate entity. And when we keep doing that, think of if you phone the power board or the bank or whoever. Well, three questions, please, sir, ma'am. Give me your full legal name, Uh uh-uh, corporate identity. Give me your date of birth. Living people are born. Once you're corporatised, it becomes date of birth. It's under Admiralty law, you birth a ship. A ship is birthed at the dock. When you are born, you are delivered by the dock door through the birth canal. When you look at it, the language gives it away multi law has been used to imprison us in so many different systems. We have currency, a monetary system. Water has current, it's controlled by the banks, the banks of the river. There's so many clues they give us, they laugh. They hide it in plain sight because if, it's, if the evidence is there and we don't say no, silence is consent. So under the legal system, under the CSQV Act, we are presumed dead lost at sea unless proven to be alive. So when you stand up and you start saying, actually, that's, that's a fraudulent corporate ID, I am a living man or a living woman, then they don't have jurisdiction over you, because their actual statutes only bind the crown, only bind you when you're believing you're that dead corporate ID. So anyway, let's have some more proof. Let's go home, look at your passport. You've got that little page there with your photo and the blah, blah, and the expiry dates, which is what you usually show people. Now flick back the page before. There's a big photo of you, and there's a little one in a see-through circle. Go back a page to the front cover, open the front cover, And I kid you not on the front cover where your little head is now sideways it's at the bottom of the page and the picture shows sand and waves above it your little head is dead on the bottom of the ocean then there's the beach then there's some trees and there's the sky don't believe me go home and look at your passport hidden in plain sight we are dead lost at sea that passport is issued under your corporate dead legal fiction entity name blows your mind, and you keep seeing stuff, and you keep looking at words, and, and looking at the roots words. There's a guy who does, um, I think YouTube's called Not The Norm, and he's really up on the words, and, he t- and you give him a word, and he tells you what it means, you go, oh my God. So um, submissions, when we don't like what the government's doing, we write submissions. <gasps> submissions, or we petition them. Are they going to change anything? No, not on your nelly, because their game plan through ICLEI, through LGNZ, whatever, is already set in concrete. So we have to educate them and we have to get in their face and educate them so they realise what's going on. Because what sane person would want the kind of future we're going into for their children and grandchildren? A lot of people are just doing their job like in the Manhattan Project. They have no idea. Because this is such a big, mind-blowing thing. The rot is massive. The rot is right through the system. So, quickly, quickly, what else have I got here? Okay, so let me just... Oh. Okay, I won't talk about any of the other proof in the legal system, because I've probably blown your brain with that, but I just want to give you a couple of stunning examples of how a government lies to us and twists stats as justification for the legislation they have written to deliberately collapse our economy, and particularly our rural industry, okay? So, I mentioned the whole shenanigans about the one teaspoon the Olympic swimming pool of methane emissions. Uh, the fresh water, the new fresh water standards came out Quite a few months ago now, last year, and they have set the standard for our freshwater in New Zealand to pre human habitation water standards. You can't get back to that unless you get rid of the humans. Oh my goodness, in the agenda it says they're getting the humans off the land. The, the, we're not quite at pre human nitrate levels yet, they're still a bit higher in that, they take it down incrementally so we don't freak out too much all at once. The standards they've got at the moment, if you go and do water tests where water comes out of a forest or whatever, nine times out of ten, coming out of nature, it's a higher nitrate level than what's set already, and they're about to halve it in the near future. Now one of the justifications they gave for those real stringent freshwater um, standards coming in is they said 80% of New Zealand's rivers are unswimmable, undrinkable, and most of us who've, who have a bit of a clue in, that's complete rubbish. How can they say that? That's just rubbish. It's like six o'clock news, full of rubbish. The opposite is true from what they report. And so I met a statistician who um, worked at an environmental agency, and he was so angry, he knew that was false, he did a whole lot of digging to find out how they could say that. What he found out was that they surveyed all the rivers in New Zealand, they got the 2% of dirtiest rivers, and then they just tested those. Of the 2% of dirtiest, 80% of those failed the swimmable, drinkable. And so the headline is 80% of rivers are unswimmable, undrinkable. If you were truthful 80% of 2% is 1.6, truth would be 1.6% of all New Zealand rivers are unswimmable, undrinkable, and then you have no justification for a draconian impossible to achieve freshwater standard. You are starting to get the drift? Part of the justification for the three waters is that supposedly 34,000 people a year get sick in New Zealand from inadequate quality in their water. Really? So some people did some digging and actually got this out of a wee freebie farming newspaper from last, ye- uh, last week. This guy tracked down where that information comes from. That comes from a 2006 um, estimation by Mr, I think it was Alex Ball, and he was making an estimation of how many people he thought would, get, would probably get sick from waterborne things in New Zealand. His highest estimation, 34,000. His lowest, I think, was about 18,000. But he also states in that 15-year-old study... That if he looks at the average number of people who get sick, then it's actually more likely to be 2,500 per year. Really? 2,500 per year out of about 5 million-ish back then? That's not justification to take over every water system in the whole of New Zealand. That's not justification for the new um, National Environmental Standard drinking water things which have come out which said if you have more than one house on your property, and that means even if you have a water tap at the at the wool shed, so that's not a second dwelling, that's a water tap anywhere else, you will be classified as supplying water and under the new legislation coming out at the moment, you will need to either A, chlorinate your water, which means an audit programme, which means hazardous goods handling licences, which means a stringent um, testing programme, or go for UV treatment, which costs a lot to put in and then you have to have an audit programme, you have to do E. coli, you have to have it kept at six degrees and in a standard lab in 24 hours, blah, 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 unworkable legislation. This government is hell-bent on legislating us out of existence. That's why they got rid of Marsden Point Oil Refinery. Heather. Sorry.
2: I think they're going to have to come sentence. and do your weekend workshop. I'll finish
5: my sentence. So, they are, we're about to lose, we have lost 80% of our fuel production, and not only will that impact the fact you won't be able to afford the fuel but you won't be able to find it, which impacts food distribution, freight, travel, another thing which I hadn't even thought of, an international pilot who was flying through the 80s when there was a fuel crisis said we will become totally isolated in this country because the international flights won't come and neither will the ships because they cannot fill up with fuel to go out again. So you've just smashed input, export every supply chain. Okay,
2: that's the end of your sentence Thanks
1: now. <laughs> all right. Okay ladies and gentlemen, we've just blown past question time, you've got no questions to ask, you'll have to meet these guys down there when they mix them with you, you can just crowd around them and hassle them, there's no problem at all. Go to counterspanmedia.com, sign up in case they start censoring any of our platforms that we're on, because they love doing that, but so far so good. Um, and. We're not funded by Steve Bannon, we're not funded by the CCP, we're actually the people's platform. This is your platform. So, uh, any donations gratefully accepted, we'll even take the deeds to your land, just keep your damn mortgage. It's no problem at all. (laughs) Joking. I'll still make it funny after that, my God. Um, But just quickly, remember when you used to run away from the cops? Before 1987 Land Transfer Act? Then the Land Transfer Act, before the cops couldn't come on. Now they can come on carte blanche. That's one of the reasons why. So, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff I could correct a little bit, but that's okay. Um, thank you, Heather. Thank you, speakers. You did a great job. I really appreciate it, especially you guys coming. Well, let's Sorry name them all.
2: That. Steve, James and Jill oh, and Heather. They, they all get a round of applause. Yeah. I like, yeah, I like.
1: Jill, yeah. But the reason... The reason I didn't name them, the reason I didn't name them, I remembered everyone's name except Jill. And I didn't want to look bad by saying, shit, what's your name again?
2: That's why you let but the MC do that job, Kelvin. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> just just out of myself. So that's okay. But yeah, you guys are legends. I mean, sorry about all the um, cancel culture going on, but look at that. No matter what, zipping all over town, you still made it. So we really appreciate that.
2: And on that note, I just want to let anybody watching the live stream know and all of your friends, just... um, Did you pick up my phone by any chance that was on that chair?
1: Did she sit on it?
2: No. No? Oh, yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) He's always right. You ever known that? All right. Always
2: right. I just wanted to... um, I just wanted to get my phone because I have to tell you the actual Invercargill... um, venue and now I'm not even going to be able to find it am I because it's on my other phone but anyway it is not at um, the Workingmen's um, Club Is it at the Kennington Hall? Is um, it at the Kennington hall? No, it's not the Kennington Hall, It's is it Wollaston? Well, is there a Wollaston? Oh, Wollaston? Wollaston, Wollastown, it's the hall in Wollastown, there we go, okay we got there. Wollastown, anyone in Invercargill, Town, Sunday <laughs> six o'clock till nine o'clock um, and then we've got um, Queenstown the following Friday and Wanaka the following Saturday and then we've also got um, Greymouth and Westport the weekend after that and Nelson finishing up on Nelson so um, go to counterspinmedia.com check us out on Telegram download the app if you want from Play Store and um, did you ask for or did you let people know that they're welcome to make a donation because this is literally funded as Calvin said by the people for the people so uh, if you've yeah, got dude, a cu- couple of five listen to me <laughs> <laughs> if you got a spare, uh, spare five bucks, then um, maybe leave it in the air or buy a T-shirt or something. But yeah, um, thanks so much for coming. Calvin, I'll leave you the last word.
1: Word. Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> you can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at Counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the Infowars Network, at Ban dot video.